Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Many, 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 are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. <laughs> I like him. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. You are listening to the best wrestling podcast on earth. I am the king of banter, internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist as heard on BBC Radio, the most compelling voice in wrestling media, a reasoned and well-explained man, and now a professional voiceover artist extraordinaire, Joe Lanza. And I'm here with Rich. And this is the Voice of Wrestling podcast flagship podcast. I didn't, I didn't even get secretly sassy i didn't get captain i just got rich just listen i have so many monikers now it, it would take too long to actually go through every single that one. there are no time for yours okay uh, is there any point where one's going to fall off or are you just going to consistently add to no your... i'm going to keep adding because okay. you can't get rid of them because nothing has changed yeah you are you are always as well, let's on take... BBC radio so that's right well let's take a look at this oh let's I... do it more yes let's I am, in fact, the king of banter. I, I, I am, in fact, the king of banter, so we can't get rid of that. Undeniable fact, yeah. I'm an internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, as heard on BBC Radio. Is that not a fact? Um, we talked about that, but yeah, you, you, you've been heard on BBC Radio, correct. Okay, right. Um, I, I had a, uh, uh, many listeners tell me that I am the most compelling voice in wrestling media, so we can't dump that one. Um, of course, I, you know, the great uh, Galazzo Dan says I'm a reasoned and well-explained man. So, you know, who are you to doubt Dan? I mean, I, you, you, you know, so that you can't chop now. I would never, yeah. Don't worry. And as a man who was paid to do voiceover work, I am, in <laughs> fact, a professional voiceover yeah. uh, actor extraordinaire. So you said artist. Me, is it actor or artist? Are you an artist? Is it an art to you or is it just a well, job? You know, you I got to tell you, know? I'm still tweaking that moniker. So okay. I don't know which way I'm going to go with that one. Because, yeah, you started with artist and then you went to actor here. So just, 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 I want you to be consistent, if not anything. You know, just, just make sure you get it. Uh, you know, it's a fair tight. point. I do need yeah. to, they do need to tighten it up. If I'm going to go with five monikers, uh, <laughs> I need to make sure that they're all tightened up. Uh, you know, uh, but listen, you, you tell me. I mean, I can't dump any of them. They all, they all speak to the truth. Uh, and you know they might they might take you know forty seconds to get through, but uh, on a three hour show. But I don't know. I don't think it would be fair to dump any of them. To be quite honest with you, and let me tell you something. You know, uh, you know, Craig here. If you know this man is is I, 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 if he's either at work or he's recording a podcast. You do like nineteen different podcasts. Yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm just a dumbass. Yeah, but go on. It, it's ridiculous. But we may be adding a podcast to the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, I had a lovely conversation with the nurse. Uh, before we came on the air, and uh, I may be getting together with the nurse, Rich, to uh, to start up a new podcast. podcast for, okay, all right. You 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 hung on that a little longer than I was anticipating. I, We're, I'm going to get together with the nurse. Dot 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 for a podcast. You know, there was a little too much of a gap there. I don't know what you're implying. Okay, <laughs> I would never. No. You you were you were you were there for our conversation. It's so, true. The, the The electricity was uh, was palpable. The uh, yeah. So, you know, I, 
I think this podcast has to happen. Myself and the nurse have gotten together and we decided to do a podcast called Fuck Rich. And I think it'll be a big hit. Uh, you know, she, she seems excited about it. I'm all jazzed up. I think it's your fault though, because you're doing this all nineties podcast as we plug that one here, uh, uh, with the nurse. And now she's, uh, she's got the podcast bug and, uh, we've decided that we're going to do a show called fuck rich. It's just going to be bashing crates for two hours, myself and the nurse. <laughs> it's going to be very problematic because she's got a sassy mouth. Okay. And I've got a sassy mouth. And if you get this Chicago sassy mouth together, with this New Jersey sassy mouth. I don't know. And if we're just bashing rich for two hours, bad things could occur. Yeah. People don't, people underrate how, how much I try to keep everything together, both on the all nineties podcast and on this one as well. Yeah. With you two, there's no filter, no sensor, nothing. It's, it's, it, it would be, uh, it'd be off the rails pretty quickly. I think and, it should uh, be noted that she came up with the title of fuck rich too. I, that <laughs> that is correct. Mind. That is, that is a true fact. That and, is not and, a Joe Lanza creation. That is indeed Michelle. The that was Michelle. Sure. And, and, as Rich was throwing her out of the room so that we can uh, – Out of the house, actually. I just Not even the room. Don't look it out of the house. I, oh. I, I lost it because then she said to him, can I have some money in true wife fashion? She's standing there with the handout asking Rich for some cash. Well, she makes more than me. She makes more than me. For I general, know. It's great. Right and she, yeah. <laughs> she makes more than you, and, and she's asking you for money. <laughs> and here's the best part about it. This was Rich's response, and I, and I, was, I was crying. Rich's response was, well, I don't have any cash. Would you like my card? <laughs> my God, she's got you over the barrel. She makes more money than you. She's demanding cash. You're like pulling out your pockets like a cartoon character with showing that there's nothing in them, but you're still willing to hand over that debit card. Let me tell you, Rich, I don't know, man. You're letting her bleed you dry. I don't know what's going on over here. <laughs> I, you did say you were concerned for our relationship a few weeks ago. So. I did say that, and I was willing to offer counseling, but uh, I don't know. Uh, what's going on, man? Did, is, <laughs> is, 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 she, is she sucking you dry here? I mean, what's going on with the – No, uh, it's really just student loans, but uh, yeah, she uh, quite a few student loans there. That I don't pay – I'm done with my student loans, so it assumes that since I am done with my student loans that now I have an ungodly amount of money at my disposal and that she still has student loans, so thus I have to pay for everything and, and give her money sometimes. L- so. Let me ask you this. We do a split, though. It's not like I pay for everything. She pays for a lot, too. I bet. There was a while there where I paid for all the bills, and I was like, no, 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 hold on. You're going to have to pay your way. And that's that's what's kind of gotten her over. I was like, no, see, this is how many bills we have. You got you to pay half a little bit sometimes. Oh, you're, you're okay. You're the bill guy in a relationship. So oh, yes, yes, yeah. You're the one who sits down at the desk, and you put on your spectacles. And I got you, my spectacles. I got my, like, the calculator with the paper coming out of it. Yeah. All right, all right. You, you got, like, the puffy accountant shirt from the, from the 1880. <laughs> You have a little visor. You got a visor. A visor. Yeah, I'm smoking a cigar. I'm just clicking away at that calculator and puffy arm shirt. Right, looking at the ticker tape, seeing how our investments are doing. So maybe a quill pen, maybe like a quill pen, and you're and you're like right. So you're the guy who pays the bill. You're the one in charge. True. Of- because there's always someone in a relationship who's in charge of physically paying the bills. Yeah, I realized quickly into the, uh, this relationship that I had to be the one to do that if, if, if we wanted to re- keep our apartment or have the lights stay on and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that. Okay, so that became my job quickly. All right, so you, you're both contributing funds, but you have mm-hmm. to be the one to physically do this. Correct, correct. Right. So let me ask you this: <laughs> Did you hand her the card? Uh, no, no. It was all the way in the other room. She was just joking. I think. I don't think she was joking, but we will find out on the Fuck Rich podcast coming up. <laughs> the uncensored. <laughs> yeah, the uncensored Fuck Rich podcast coming up next week on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, I'm going to dig deep. And I'm going to find out the answers to these questions because you always start to squirm and you get real nervous when I start digging. I don't think she, I think she's going to be an open book. I think the nurse is just going to let it all hang out, you know? So, uh, as rich, just 
gets very silent on the other end. <laughs> well, listen, instead of starting a new podcast, maybe I can uh, do do two hours with the nurse and just reintroduce Lanza unfiltered with special guest the True. nurse. How about that? Mm-hmm. And who knows where the topics will go? They it is unfiltered, go, uncensored. It, it can go anywhere. Yeah, it is unfiltered, uncensored, and uncouth. So it can go literally anywhere with two very uncouth people. Now you threw your wife out of the house. Yeah. Um, you know, to Trader not, Joe's, where hopefully she shops for the next three hours. So with your card. And um, <laughs> I threw my own mother out of my house. And I was going to say, of, <laughs> of all the women, threw, <laughs> there, there's, a yeah. much, there's a much worse. You could all the way halfway across the country to see you. And I get the hell out of here. I got to talk to Rich for three hours about wrestling. Yeah, yeah. This, this Australian the, wrestling scene isn't going to talk itself, Mom. All right? Get that's true. And, and, this, and this is the first time she's been to my home in the nine years that I've lived here. And I, <laughs> I, I threw her out of my house because I said, listen, listen, Ma, you got to hit the bricks. Because I got to record my wrestling podcast, so get the hell out of here. And that's kind of how it went down, almost verbatim. And uh, so, yeah, I think we're living up to our reputations as uh, women-hating monsters as we throw the women in our lives out of our homes uh, to record this terrible podcast, Rich. Yeah, this is going to be a bad one, too. We, it's one of those weird ones where we have, like, seven – or eight little topics and no real big topics. So these can either go off the rails in one way. Either there's sometimes they're really good. They're like our best shows that we ever do. Cause we kind of sprayed all fields and have some fun. Uh, they can also go haywire. Like it's already done for the first <laughs> so, few minutes here, the first 10 minutes or so where we just kind of go off into banter about randomness and, and it, it has no direction and no sort of structure whatsoever. So we'll see what actually what happens here, but we do have a lot to get to. I let people know. Uh, stuff well, well I'm here. looking at the format and let me tell you, this feels like one of these throwback shows from like 2013, where we would do like five hour shows and just talk about literally everything yes. somehow. And then, uh, you know, we, we, you know, this, yeah, we thing- got Onita, Bailey, Australia, global force wrestling, NWA, smoky mountain progress yeah, evolve beyond. <laughs> like- there's some weird topics getting touched here that we don't touch very often. No, this is, this uh, be you long. know, so this is, yeah. If, if you're like a newer listener, this is the kind of shit we used to do back in the day. Uh, you know, <laughs> when, when there was a thousand people listening or whatever the fuck, but there's just, the topics are all over the board because there's going to be very little WWE on this show. And uh, of course we'll, you know, we'll probably next start week. with a little bit of, with a little bit of G1, but yeah, yeah. Uh, next week probably... will be our heavy WWE one with SummerSlam coming up and NXT and all that stuff. So we'll, well, we'll next... definitely talk WWE next week. Well, yeah, next week's going to be all new Japan, all WWE. So yeah. You know, we got we're going to have to break down the three final G1 shows and then preview the big SummerSlam uh, weekend. So uh, this week will kind of be just a uh, a potpourri, Rich, a uh, cornucopia of topics uh, that we were uh, trying to scrape up here because there's nothing to talk about except G1. So uh, there you go. Uh, yeah, let's let's get into it here for a sec. But before we do that, though, I do want to let you know, uh, and our listeners know, that this week's episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Dollar Shave Club. And we've been telling you guys for months now about Dollar Shave Club, and some of you are still holding out. We have no idea why, but let's kind of talk about it here a bit. Uh, Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. Uh, it's plain and simple. Joe and I have found that out. The nurse recently purchased from uh, Dollar Shave Club using uh, her own money as well. Just want to point that out. Uh, and hundreds of our listeners have uh, found that out as well. And now it is time for you. The holdout to find that out. You can get a great shave at a great price delivered right to your door. No more trips to the store. No more asking someone to unlock that weird glass case that somehow you can't get into. You don't have time for that. You have to watch G1. You got to watch WWE. You got SummerSlam. You got to too much rest to watch. You don't be wasting your time with that. Instead, you get Dollar Shave Club's executive razor sent right to your door. Better yet, you combine that with Dr. Carver's shave butter and you're ready to go. 
Joe and I are both huge fans of Dr. Carver's, so much that we hoard it for longer than we should, and you will be a big fan as well once you find out. Anyway, today you can finally make the smarter choice and join Dollar Shave Club. Uh, for a limited time only, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor and a tube of Dr. Carver's Shave Butter for only 5 bucks plus free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks per month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. Uh, in your first month box, you'll receive an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of that unbeatable Dr. Carver shave butter. After that, your first month replacement char uh, cartridges will ship automatically uh, at the regular price. There's no hidden fees, no commitments, and you can cancel anytime you'd like. So uh, you're not really, you don't have to buy eight months of it. You don't have to buy a year of it or whatever. You can cancel whenever you want. So you say you're done with it, you're done with it. But uh, we think if you try it out, you're going to be there for a long time. But anyway, uh, you can get the, uh, those offers today exclusively at Dollar Shave Club dot com slash voices once again that's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices and we of course thank them for sponsoring this week all right we kind of have to start g1 right have to have to and then for people that uh again i i want to always want to be transparent when we're talking about g1 here we are recording this on the 10th so it's august 10th we know some shows are going to be happening by the time a lot of you guys listen to this the a block will be pretty much wrapped up i think the b block will be wrapped up as well uh by the time uh, probably most the majority of people listen on the weekends or whatnot so just to just get have so people know it is the 10th. It's the night of the 10th. So that's why uh, if we're previewing something that might have already happened, that, that's just it. So, again, just always finding transparent there. Uh, is somebody breaking into your house again? I do want to clarify. Uh, nobody's – no one's breaking in this okay. time. Um, I don't know Every what they're the going. I'm a, little, I'm a little nervous about your well-being. So, Well, that was – I don't think we talked about that. Someone legitimately tried to break in my house that night. That was a little – Yeah, we talked about it on Twitter, but I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show. Yeah, there was a show a few weeks ago, and I think I tried to edit it a little bit, but there was a bunch of dog noises, uh, then a long gap, a long pause for you, and I'm kind of like, oh, hey, so I'm, I'm kind of talking over your dogs barking or whatever. And then I could tell that you were kind of weird the rest of the show. So I don't know what the hell was going on. I was like, ah, whatever. Uh, and then I get a text from you that said, yes, somebody tried to break into my house. And I was like, holy shit. And I think you said, oh, somebody tried to break into my house, but I'm such a dope that I continued talking about like Battle of Los Angeles instead of like finding out if somebody was breaking into my house and stopping said person from breaking into my house. But yeah, that was a, that was a weird moment for sure. No, someone knocked on my door. and um, So that's, that's what got the dogs going. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So then... Uh... I, 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 I muted the mic and disappeared, and then there was nobody out there. So I, I got back on. We started talking about Bola. But then someone came to the back door and tried to open up the back door. So they, they went through the – they had to, you know, hop the fence and get into the backyard and then because they were jiggling the handle on the door. And, and uh, that's when I kind of freaked out, and you noticed, you know, my tone had changed because I was, like, watching them jiggle the, the, the doorknob. And then uh, – I guess they got frustrated. Then they just kind of, the door was locked. So they were kind of, uh, I don't know, um, I guess pushing it back and forth when they, when they saw trying to open it wasn't working. I don't know if that makes sense. And then, uh, I don't know. So I just, I, I should have probably stopped recording the show and dealt with that, but I didn't. I just kept talking about, I don't know, I, I guess I was shocked in shock or something. And then, uh, you know, after, well, here they go again. <laughs> I promise, I promise it's not happening again. But uh, so, so I went to the, uh, hey, get over here. This is so unprofessional. So I, uh, I went outside to check it out afterwards. And, you know, uh, the, the gate was open and it swung open and left open and, and that and all that. So I called the cops. But eh, what can they do? You know, I mean, what, what, what can they possibly do in a situation like that? But I figured I might as well at least make them aware of it, that, you know, someone was in my backyard trying to get into my house. 
with no expectation that they were going to catch anybody. Sure. Yeah. Was there anything else like anybody else on your block that got broken into or anything like that or cars? I don't know. Yeah. I didn't even talk to them. Honestly, I just called and said, Hey, I don't, I don't, I don't really consider this an emergency, but someone was prowling around my backyard. So if you just want to, you know, I don't know what you guys do in this situation, send a squad car through the neighborhood or something. But, um, and they were like, okay, thank you. And then that was the end of it. Um, they didn't even knock on my door or anything. So I, I don't, I don't know what came of it, but, uh, yeah. So I don't know. The, 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 the thing is usually I don't lock that door. Cause why, why would I, I'm home. It's the door to the backyard. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think oh, of yeah, locking yeah. it. Yeah, no, often I've left mine pretty pretty open as well. And I, I've actually, since your, your story, I now have locked. Because, like, right now, if I'm doing the show, like, I would probably have that back door unlocked. Because I would probably let the dogs in and go, okay, yeah, whatever, and just walk to, to this room where I record in or whatever. Would never even think to lock that door. Because it's like, whatever, I'm here, you know, what's the big deal? But, yeah, no, now I've, I've consistently locked it since then. Yeah, I mean, when I leave the house, I lock it, obviously. But oh, when, sure, I'm home, yeah, yeah, I, when I'm home, I don't have it locked because that I let the dogs out, you know, every hour or whatever. So, you know, and, and you know, most of the people I know live in New Jersey. It's like there was nobody I know who was trying to come over here and they would have called me or texted me. Anyway. <laughs> right. You know, it's not like they would have just jiggled your to... back door handle <laughs> if they're trying to get it. Yeah. Hey, that, Bill, how's it going? Let me. <laughs> right. So I don't know who the hell it was. I. I don't know. I'm not, I haven't really thought about it much since. Um, but yeah, that, that's what happened on that show that night. So someone, yeah, legitimately tried to break into my house. I don't yes, know. So today the dogs are just barking because they're barking. So nobody's breaking. Yeah, I don't know house. what they're doing, but yeah, but I'm dedicated <laughs> to this program, Rich. Okay. That, that, that's I, stupid dedication. To this <laughs> I could have gotten, I could have gotten murdered on the air, you know, talking I, about Bola in the hour, third hour of this show. That's right. Talking about Sammy Callahan's uh, bola chances, <laughs> I could have got gunned down by by a, by an intruder. So that's dedication, you know. And you, what kind of moniker would I get for that? I would need a sixth moniker for that. The, that's true. Yeah, and we're already we're already really pushing it there. But yeah, that one would be lengthy. I'm sure lengthy and 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 really um really heavy too. Whatever that one would be. So we'll, we'll maybe we'll let the listeners at Voices Wrestling let us know what the, your moniker would be. Well, if if I, well, let me tell you. Survived? Are you surviving this gunshot or are you? No, I'm, d- I'm dead. I'm dead. Oh, so, so you're dead. Okay, so now forever when I do this podcast, because I'll obviously replace you in a minute with Joe Gagne or whatever. Um, right. So then I would, like, in memory of the King of Banter, the da-da-da-da, the yada-yada-yada, and then whatever X would be that last little thing to... Because to, every show I would say in honor of, you know, our fallen hero, Joe Lanza. Oh, that's right. If I, if I, were, if I got murdered, published the show. I think you should. That's a reading's bonanza, you know. Oh, if I, I was murdered oh, on yeah. air. Oh God, yes, yeah, yeah. You gotta post it because that's the hook, right? Who wouldn't listen? You, you would. Know? It's one of those things where, like, you know, like the wrestlers would be like, "Oh, if Owen, you know, Owen would want us to finish the show or whatever." I know for a fact you would want me to post that show. Absolutely, because fact, you'd be like, "Sell that show, tell Dollar Shave Club, tell Blue Apron, like, tell them all, yeah. like, like, sell that show." promote it I, I i know for a fact that you would do it I, it would be one of those things and now i got it on, on on record too that you were saying that you would be fully in favor of, of me posting that triple, as, as the ad, listen, triple the ad rates that week and say this is the show where joe lanza is murdered on the air i mean because you know that's going to just do and there are quite a, a few people that would actually listen. really enjoy that people that maybe have, have fallen off the show or, or hate listen every single week would would especially hate listen on that week, I'm sure. I would, uh, oh God. Please, the people that I don't listen to you guys, here's everything you said on hour two of your podcast that I hate and I hate you guys. Oh, Rich, I can show you I'm some. I'm a big fan very, of those. <laughs> I can show you some very terrifying tweets out there 
where they're essentially wishing for my death. So, you know, I think all those people would be very pleased. You know, I can't wait for that Joe Lanza to get his. These are like real tweets that exist. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, so, you know. Uh, for wrestling guys, you may want to chill out a little. <laughs> I know, yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I'm sorry I have different pro wrestling opinions than you, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, they listen every week. It's all that matters. No, they don't, though. I hate your show. You guys suck. Uh, an hour to minute 45, you mentioned this thing that. Right. I hate, but you know, thank you. We appreciate it. I mean, without you guys, we uh, do. Okay, G one. We were see. This is what I was saying. We have no no rhyme or reason to what we're doing. G one. Let's talk about it here. Um, again, recording this on August tenth, uh, Thursday night. Uh, as of right now, we're down to Omega Okada and Naito Tanahashi as the last two. Our last two in their blocks. Uh, obviously, the A block Naito and Tanahashi, B block Omega and Okada. They're both at twelve. Uh, there's no other scenario where anybody could possibly win. If it was a, t- a draw or a time limit or win, they would just go to. I mean, th- there's no other scenario. It's going to be one of those four guys. They're going to do it. Nobody else can win. Nobody else can find a way to sneak in or whatever. Um, so I'll ask you first. Uh, initial thoughts of it coming down to those four guys. Are you upset? Are you happy? Because I saw a little bit of mix. I saw some people say, "Hey, I'm co- I'm cool with that," because those are like the top four, and they're c- clearly establishing that these guys are it. And it makes both of these matches a huge deal. These both Sumo Hall matches, they're both a huge deal. I've also seen the flip side of that of like, well, it's kind of boring because neither of the blocks really matter. Uh, it's just these two uh, these two matchups or whatever. And it's only, you know, these four guys. And really, when you look at the two shows, there's five B, uh, you know, block matches or whatever, but only one of those block matches matter. What, what side of the fence are you on as far as this? Would you like to see a little bit more parity in the final few days? Or do you like this idea that it's like final four, these guys, win or go home type deal? The thing about it is, no matter what way it goes, there's going to be critics. Um, because I think there's here, – here, here's how I feel about it. Whether you have – the usual Gato pattern for his leagues, not even necessarily just the G1, but whether you're talking about best of the Super Juniors or the World Tag League as well, his usual pattern for his league booking is final night spoilers. There's three or four guys left in contention in each block, and – there's a string of upsets all night long, knocking people out until you get to that final match. Right. Rich, we've had full shows. We've had full shows in past years where we're going over every possible, uh, you know, spoiler scenario or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, it's right. and that's across the board. Like you're saying, World Tag League best of the. Super, I know this last year's best of the Super Juniors wasn't everybody at like six points or five points or whatever. Like it was, blocks, yeah, it, it was completely game. open. Yeah, it was like anything can happen in this last night. Everyone entered tied pretty much. And, and, and that's been the usual Gato booking pattern in leagues. And, and then he, what he likes to do is, is the, is the spoiler upsets on the, on the final night to knock people out. And then that final main event match, it usually comes down to that match. Uh, and, and that has been criticized widely for years by many people, uh, you know, uh, because the stars aren't dominant and there's, you know, it, it's predictable. We know there's going to be uh, big upsets on the final night. This has been the opposite where there's been four dominant forces who basically wrapped everything up before we even got to Sumo Hall and everybody else is left in the dust. And now we have people who are critical of that uh, booking strategy. The point is, no matter how you book this thing uh, with parity or with dominant stars, you're going to have people who want it the other way. And that's fine. I can see both arguments. Sure. And there's people that like different things. Like you and I, I think are consistently, and I'm assuming you're going to be the same with this way, is you and I like dominance 
at the top. We like a, a clear idea of these guys are better than these guys or whatever, which doesn't necessarily make that everybody sucks or whatever, but it's it's a hierarchy of, of these guys are the best. These guys are, are head and shoulders above these other guys in the card. It doesn't make these other guys worthless. It doesn't mean that these other guys are uh, meaningless or whatever. It's just that these guys are better and these guys are our stars or whatever, where some people prefer, you know, what we've gotten, you know, in the last couple of years with WWE and, and, and really the last, like you're saying, the last few G1s with New Japan, where it's pretty much open-ended, where it, it can be an upset. It can be parody. It could be any buddy and and people like those different things i prefer a dominant thing if it was up to me i you know i we talked about that with kento miyahara in all japan i, I that was my favorite reign ever because it was like that dude was just buzzsawing through the company and i was i love that because it was hey here's our guy and he and we're gonna go with him and we're seeing that right now with okada as well it's like okada is the man and we're just and and there was so long in wrestling where um you know throughout the attitude era and, and it lasted even 10 years after the attitude era so where parody was in where it was like anything can happen on any night or whatever who knows tune in to see what happens and 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 there's a there's you know good on both ends but i've always preferred the dominance i've always preferred the clear hierarchy i've always preferred the this guy is the man and, and these guys are the best or whatever and these other guys are trying to get to that spot i always prefer that but i totally get it when other people like the other side or like the parody or the open-ended uh you know surprises and that's yeah there's positives and negatives to both to both ways i think last year's g one was sort of in the middle, right? I mean, because you had Goto, he needed the miracle draw to go through, and he got it, you yeah. know. And and it was like, you know, so last year, and and it, you know, and it came down to the Kenny and Naito on the other side, and um, it wasn't uh, strictly eight matches that were completely meaningless and two matches that mattered last year, but it also wasn't a million guys involved on the final day. So last year you kind of saw the in-between. Here's my thing, Rich. Um, I'm kind of with you. I, I like dominant. I like long dominant title reigns. You mentioned Kento Miyahara. I'm always going ranting and raving about Asuka. I, I think her title reign is so interesting. And I think whoever beats her, if as long as they pick the right person, will get a giant rub out of it. I think long dominant reigns always uh, produce that sort of, uh, possibility to get someone over strong. Uh, but my whole thing is, as long as it's interesting, I don't know, I don't care which path you choose, as long as you make it interesting, compelling, and, and have various storylines. And I think this tournament has that. So uh, it, it doesn't really bother me that it's coming down uh, to one big match in each block. And these are the same matches that headlined Wrestle Kingdom. They're the same matches that headlined Dominion. And now they're the same matches that are, that are, uh, that are, that are uh, going to decide the G1. We also know that it's a Gato pattern to pair guys up for the duration of a year and have them have two, three, four matches against each other. And then Wrestle Kingdom, everything sort of resets and starts over again, and you get paired off with somebody else the following year. So I don't think this should come as a shock to anybody that, uh, you know, we're seeing Okada Omega for the third time and, and Tanahashi and Naito face each other again. So to me, this has been a very interesting tournament. So if the tournament had been boring if the tournament didn't have the various storylines, whether it was Yuji Nagata, Juice Robinson, Will Okada go undefeated, uh, you know, all of these various storylines that were going on. Yeah, maybe this would be sort of a dull climax, but, you know, no pun intended. But I think that because this uh, G1 tournament has been uh, very exciting and, and had a lot of good storylines flowing through it, I don't mind how the booking is played out. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way as well, because what's one thing that I look at, and, and there obviously there were some complaints about, um, you know the the the, the big guys kind of jumping ahead and the stars jumping ahead and Okada being so far ahead and Omega being so far ahead and and Naito and Tanahashi and those guys sort of emerging pretty early on in the tournament as well was, particularly in the Okada Omega sense they, those guys emerged really early and 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 I get that you know okay these guys are way head and shoulders above people they're they're dominant or whatever but I thought there was so much else in the in the lower parts 
of this G1 that you look at the rest of the standings and you look at these guys and you look at, yeah, these guys aren't competing on the final night. And yes, they don't have a chance to make it to the finals, but you can't with a straight face tell me that a guy like evil didn't like make himself in this tournament. I mean, you don't have to be up for the final to say that, you know, where he came from point A to point B after this tournament, this guy made a huge leap in the salon. Sonata is another guy as well. That comes to mind. Uh, Kotobushi is a guy who, who kind of reemerged or whatever. Yeah. Elgin. Yeah, Elgin's a great, a great one. I was going to say Zach Sabre Jr. for what he did earlier in the tournament or whatever. Um, there, there are a lot of guys in this tournament. Juice Robinson just getting that one win over Omega. There's a lot of stories that were told underneath this where it doesn't necessarily always have to be the story of, of I'm in the final, I'm you know going for the top prize in the company or whatever. That's not always a story you have to tell. I think they told enough stories in the other parts of it where it wasn't necessarily – Juice Robinson was way out of it. Juice Robinson was not going to ever emerge in the B block, but that didn't mean he didn't want to beat Kenny Omega. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like Evil didn't not didn't want to you know not beat Omega or Okada or had no motivation to beat Okada. These guys still want to go out there and do that. And, and one of the parts about that is is we're talking about this is you look at Juice and you look at Evil and you look at those big matches we're going to talk about in a little bit. Their wins over Okada and Omega because you made Okada and Omega so dominant that those wins mean that much more. And that's why I love when it's dominance. I love when guys are, are those tears and juice Robinson getting a win over Omega. If you know, Omega lost half the year and he lost nine matches and one 10 right. throughout the year or whatever, a juice Robinson wins is going to not mean anything. It's yeah, like, well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, basically look, if, if, if Okada and Omega, you know, went six and three, you, those evil and juice wins wouldn't have meant nearly as much. Those wouldn't have been the moments that they were is what you're getting. Exactly. At. Yeah. And, and, but now that you make them dominant, you make those little times when you decide to have guys lose. Or I mean, when that's, you Okada's to first, a guy. that's Okada's Okada's loss to evil is his first loss since when? Oh, I somebody, mean, somebody put it up. It's been a long time. I forgot what it was. It was, it, it's, it's like shockingly long. Yeah. And I mean, since he lost the, uh, probably since last year's, yeah, let, won, me, let me make sure. I think that might be correct. Yeah. Let me make sure. Um, Less singles loss for Okada. I mean, I can't maybe the, my head. The, the Ishii G1 match or um, let's pull it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to fire it up here real quick because I know I remember being shocked at how long it actually was uh, the last and the, time. And the, point, and the point being, as you're looking that up, is because he hasn't lost in so damn long, that that gives that evil win that much more impact. You know? And, uh, and, 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 oh, was it No, no, no. Okay, it was... It was bad luck Fale on last year's G1. Looks like the last one, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah, okay, so he there, hasn't yeah, lost it. He hasn't lost. Almost a year, yeah. Full year. Yeah. He hasn't lost a match in a year. So, you know, Evil having the kind of tournament that he had and then being the guy to finally beat Okada, this bend but don't break guy who no one's been able to put away. Not Kenny Omega. Not Minoru Suzuki. Uh, you know, not any of these. But if Evil finally gets it done, Rich, this is – one of the unspoken themes of this tournament, in my opinion, something that's being way underplayed, is the display of the next wave of stars mm-hmm. on the bench now for New Japan. If you remember, we did a show after the uh, the quote-unquote exodus with Nakamura and, and Styles and Anderson and I guess Gallows all left the company. Because uh, <laughs> come on, but I mean, you know, when they had the, you know, we did a show right after that. And um and and we talked about how um we were sort of everyone was in panic mode, you know, this new Japan momentum's gonna stop because they lost Nakamura and Styles. And, you know, we were one of the, you know, ever and, and that was a, a widespread feeling, uh, you know, uh, among many pundits. And we yeah. went on the air and said, Hey, look, 
We're not worried about the top of the yeah, court. Dave Meltzer among one of them. I remember him on his big, like, everyone's Absolutely. old, you know, no one's young. Like, what are they going to do? You know, yeah, Naito's 34. Oh, you know, it's like they have Okada, but that's it. And it's like, yeah, that was, it was. The idea was they had no one to step into those roles. And we came on the air and said, calm down. They have Kenny Omega, who's going to step right into AJ Styles' role. And we said this. Uh, they have uh, they have NATO who's going to uh, firmly step into a main event position now, and 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 you know uh, and, and they've got, got the top of the card's fine, but then we went on to make the point of but because now they're the guys on the bench are moving into the starting lineup, the bench is depleted, and what they need to do now is replenish the bench, and it's going to have to be guys like Evil and Sonata and Mike Elgin and Juice Robinson who eventually filled the bench. So that's where they, they had their issues. The top of the card was going to be fine. And the way that it played out, we were right. And everybody else was wrong because the company went on, has, has been more successful than ever without AJ Styles and Nakamura taking nothing away from them. But we were confident that guys like NATO and, and, and Kenny Omega uh, could not only fill those roles, but surpass what those guys have done. And sure, they have, right. uh, and, and in the ring and at the gate, you know, we made those arguments. Look, it's it's all on tape. Go listen to the show. Okay, we're not making this up and just patting ourselves on the back, uh, which we are never apt to do, Rich. I, no, God, no, we would never. I, I am a man who never pats himself on the back. So, you know, it, but, but this is the this is the conversation we had on the air. We were confident about that, but it was the bench. This G one, Rich, I believe the 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 underlying theme of this G one, uh, and maybe not a top line theme, but an underlying theme of this G one is New Japan has finally restock the bench because a guy like evil is just waiting to break out at this point. Mike Elgin with the matches that he had against the top guys showed that he is more than capable. He's over enough with the fans and he's capable enough in the ring to be, uh, to move up from that upper mid card spot, that gatekeeper spot that he's in into a legitimate main eventer. We saw them plant more seeds for Sonata. Okay, now he's getting it a little bit slower than guys like Evil are getting it, but they're still planting seeds with Sonata. They're doing, you know, he he works more like. And and we've always we've always sort of said that that's by design as well. I think they think of him as like the guy, and they don't want to push him to. They're going to wait until they're absolutely ready for that guy to to turn the switch on and have him be the man. I I think they know that. He's a longer term project too. Exactly, and everybody knows it. I mean, it's not like it's a hidden fact that they. I mean, you look at the guy and you look at what he can do, and, and you look at how marketable he could be. I mean, yeah, that's that's a known commodity that they know they have and there's no necessary you, you're gonna do the long-term game with him like you're saying that's a long-term project when you turn the switch on with him it's gonna go and you're never gonna look back yeah and and juice robinson obviously i mean that's one that that's obvious should be obvious to everyone where this guy took major steps here and again a guy who's super over with the crowd um and who the hell knows what's gonna have a code what's gonna happen with kota abushi Okay, I mean, we've talked about it at length. The guy's a nut. Yeah, he he's wanted- fine. Treasure. If you get him, you get him. If you don't, I wouldn't rely on him. But if you got him, use. You know, it's one of those weird things where it's like, and you know, they've been smart enough to always keep him at arm's length. To exactly. Be right. you, know, they, you know, they. You know, he had that one year where he was kind of like one of the big five, like we like we like to call it, and he did main event uh, several shows, and they they you know drew plenty of money with him, but they kept him at arm's length. They booked him poorly in the G ones mm-hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Remember the complaints? Of, what are they doing? Oh my god! And then yeah, he was gone. And it it right. makes sense why he wasn't beating half the roster every single night or whatever. So yeah, right. So I think a, a big theme that not enough people are talking about is the fact that the, the, the rich the bench is restocked. Yeah. I think all of these guys that we just named are sort of in that role. You know, remember when Kenny Omega was sort of waiting in the wings and the Ato had come back from Mexico and we're like, wow, this guy has a chance to be a real big time star here. 
now they've replenished the bench. And now if they do absorb some losses come the first of the year, they've got people who can step in and they've, 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 uh, they've set some people up to become the next wave of main eventers, which is, you know, that's what pro wrestling is. It's constantly setting up the next wave of guys. And Rich, I'll take it one step further. You want to go down several more steps of the ladder. The, look, I, you know, we're not going to do 20 minutes on it. We've done it before, but Rich, these young lions, I mean, there is just oozing with all kinds of potential with these guys. Uh, you know, the, Kitamura, obviously, just because of his look, and the other ones all look like they're going to be uh, tremendous workers at worst. And I, I think this batch of young lions uh, has shown more charisma uh, than even the previous uh, few batches that. And Jay White, and look what they've done. Yeah, with we Jay saw Jay White still hanging out there. Yeah, ready to go. And you've got Jay White who's going to come back. And, and, and I think Long Beach was proof. I mean, the guy scored two falls on Long Beach. They have big plans for Jay White. So I would actually throw him on that evil Sonata Mike Elgin level as a guy on the bench just mm-hmm. waiting to – I mean, they could just – they could push the button on him anytime they want. I think I think he's a guy that they do plan on giving some kind of a uh, significant push to at some point based on his booking in Long Beach. So, um, yeah, I think the bench is replenished. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think one thing that I really like as well is that you look at your your Godos, your Ishis, even to a lesser extent, you know, you know Minoru Suzuki's, uh, those sort of guys. I mean, you have a nice little – as we said, it's kind of the tiered system, but you have now, you don't necessarily need to rely on those guys, but they're a nice little asset to have. You need to throw Goto in a, in a big-time match, you can. You need to throw Ishii in a big-time match, you can. Those are guys that don't have the upward trajectory of the guys we mentioned, of this evil Sonata, Omega, those sort of guys. Uh, but yeah, it's always good to have that, too. And like we talked about, just in terms of roster depth and, and the, the, the creative things that you can do with this roster moving forward. I mean, I know there was a constant complaint about you know the rematches and stuff, and, and we were one of the, you know, one of the, the shows saying, hey, look, they, they kind of have to go to these wells a bunch because they don't have guys right now they don't have guys that are proven draws they don't have guys that are are ready to go but now you have so many that now you can play a little bit more you can have a little bit more fun with the rest of the card uh you can make that uh the, the never title have a little bit more importance and have some pretty cool matches up there in that never open weight division you have the ic title that's still out there and can do some fun stuff like yeah that's really where i look at it as well you talk about the bench you know restocking and, and, and it's absolutely true because yeah now you have a nice little group of guys that have been there for a while but can always give you a good match you got a nice little group of veterans you got a nice little group of young lions like the roster is just stacked right now and they have just a nice crop of stars as well stars on the rest so you have you know your established stars you got your you know a tanahashi star that's kind of leaving maybe that star realm and going to another realm but you can still put them in the star realm anytime you need them you got a bunch of guys coming into the star realm you got a bunch of mid-card guys you got a bunch of veterans you got you know young lions you got guys that can go to a you know compete for an iwgp title whenever you need them to and it's not going to destroy business i mean they're they're in a very good spot right now and it took a little bit of patience it took a few years to kind of coalesce and get there but they're there now and like you're saying yeah the roster you know we're talking about just the g1 like if you just gave me the roster of this g1 i could probably book a pretty solid company that's not even including the juniors for god's sakes like yeah i mean but but they are but look they're having their most successful year yet under kadan i mean so and and and, i mean you look they've got their big four which is the four guys that we're talking about that this g1 is going to come down to these are their big four draws this is who they built their company around this year we've got this bench that we're talking about and like you mentioned you have your guys like goto and ishii and and nagata and makabe and people like that who are uh you know those guys are going to be positioned as major scalps for these emerging stars to beat because beating those guys still means something because these guys are now these guys are your your gatekeeper types and then you, you like i said you go further down this company is set up for years they're set up for years rich uh you know and, and the way that uh you know, it's like people get sick of me backpatting Gato, but I'm not going to stop. I mean, the way that this guy just keeps replenishing his stars when the na- and, and you don't hear it much anymore. But Rich, that time period we're talking about, 
you know, the exodus and before that, the running narrative among a lot of people was New Japan does not – they don't do enough to create stars and they, they're relying too much on two or three guys and it's going to be a major problem for them. In the, well, 2017 and 2018 was when all of this was supposed to come to pass, right? Well, it's not because Gato has done a tremendous job creating stars and elevating people and continuing the process. And, and, and a lot of that has died down, especially for Meltzer, who was banging that drum hard for a number of years. His big comparison was that this company was like Jim Crockett Promotions, right? Where it was constantly the same guys on top and it was great for uh, you know two or three years, but then eventually they stopped building stars. And that you know that's the Cliff Notes version, of course. Uh, there was some poor booking and uh, to go along with that as well. But people get the idea. But and buying jets and <laughs> some other you know poor but, things. But yeah. But Dave has quickly stopped that. You know, and, and, and look, I have a lot of respect for Dave Meltzer, but I think we were ahead of him on this. You know, we we this show, we saw that they were building stars underneath and they had that. Dave never had the confidence in Kenny Omega that we did. that's I was going to say Omega's the guy right never there. had the and we were screaming. Rich, we were yeah. screaming when they signed the guy that he was right. going to be a mega star because people saw him shoving poles up to Gucci's ass and said, well, this guy sucks. And who, I mean, the yeah, eye's good, but whatever. They're not going to. And they didn't see, you know, they couldn't see the force in the trees that like, yeah, this guy's just jacking around for a few months until there it's go time. Like we're saying with Sonata too, where once it's go time, th- there's nobody better at making a guy and making him mean so much and making fans invest in him and making then than Gato. I mean, Gato is so good at when that switch is flipped. That guy matters, and that guy means a lot. He, how many really? I mean, you can go back and, and, and really look at how many failed pushes has Gato had. In, in let's talk about you know post. Let's talk the Okada era New Japan here. Okay, you know Alan likes to always call that Alan Forel likes to say you know Okada's title win at New Beginning 2012 is kind of this new era of New Japan. How many like failed pushes other than the really the Naito in 2013? Can you That's, come up with one off the top of your head of like, geez, they really tried with this guy and it just didn't work, and you know, hey, whatever. No, that's the one and only one. That's that's the, what I mean, and that's the, the initial for yeah. five years or six years at this point now. That's that's pretty good. The initial Tetsuya Naito push when he won the 2013 G1 was an utter failure, and that's yeah, the only it's the only time that this company bombed at elevating somebody. The only time. Um, I'm trying to think of guys that have got like multiple title shots and it didn't really work. I mean, we 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 were ready to call the AJ Styles thing a bomb, and, and Gato was like, "Ah, hey, no, hold on, <laughs> slow down, guys." I'm gonna make this, and, and then he made it work. Through yeah. and it worked. You know, yeah, the initial to show going. I don't know uh, this Bullet Club thing. Uh, AJ Styles, I'm not sure. And, and we looked like idiots a month later. <laughs> and it was like, right. nope. I trust me. I know what I'm doing. And that's yeah. the only one I can think of that it was even like at the time even considered maybe a bomb was the AJ Styles thing. And, right. and, that, was, and that was one show that one yeah. Dominion show that which didn't draw because he wasn't over yet but like you're saying they stayed patient with aj and they didn't give up and long term it obviously worked tremendously so long term none of their superstar pushes have failed with the exception of the initial nato push that's the only one um when fans rejected that and and you know you can blame it doesn't really matter where the blame goes a lot of people Blame the booking because Naito was booked in some weak matchups after he had won the G1. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I I tend to blame Naito in that situation. I don't think he – I think it was obvious before those matches that it just wasn't going to work. Um, but but it doesn't matter. Regardless, it bombed, and that's all that matters, and that falls on the booker. So it, it's it's – yeah, that's the only one you can point to. And, and you know, this would have been Shibata's year if, if that, you know, tragic shit didn't occur. Uh, and that, you know, that 
again, that Okada match and the way that was structured and, 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 the, you know, him losing that, match, that was a star making match for Shibata. It just so happened that, you know, the terrible tragedy happened and his career ended. So that's an, that's another, that's another, they're doing all this without Shibata. And you just know that a lot of this G1 and a lot of the rest of this year was going to be built around him as a new top star. So, you know, that's even without one of the guys that was a major cog in the plans that they're, that they're doing this. Um, just look at the attendance of the G1. I know this is something you wanted to talk about. You've got the numbers in front of you um, in comparison to uh, last year. Let's see. So, look at yeah, that I got show. it right here if you need me to. Uh, you already have it because I'm going to yeah, no, I got I'm it right here. So, so this is going into the final three nights, and this is from the uh, the Wrestling Observer this week. Uh, tournament attendance is up fifteen point two percent from last year, which is uh, this is what Dave wrote is uh, is more impressive than it sounds because many of the arenas last year sold out, uh, and of course you can't improve much on attendance in a sold out building. Uh, he says you can comp less, which is absolutely what they did, and then gates are up even more with higher ticket prices in several arenas. So attendance is up fifteen point two percent. They're not giving away as much, and they're charging more. <laughs> so pretty good, I would say. Yeah. that's a positive right there. Is so, you charge more for of, tickets, you don't give them away. That's good. That's a positive. And that's kind of the counter argument to. Um, there's too much centered around these four guys. Well, these four guys are clearly drawing. People, people, you know, so money to just watch stars. I mean, that that's that's wrestling one hundred and one. And I think people and, have lost and, sight of that for some godforsaken reason. That that's. I mean, I know WWE's lost sight of it, but stars are what people pay to see. The other stuff's great to have, but people pay for stars. It's always and, been. Uh, you know, Kota Ibushi as well. He's headlined a couple of shows in sure, this block. Right. I think he's, a he makes, he's an absolute star. If he wanted to be, he could be right there with those four. But he's a wild card, and you can't really talk about him until he settles down and makes a decision on on his career and his life. Um, but yeah, you know, so you, you, how can you really knock this? They're going to sell out. It looks like, uh, all three nights of, uh, cause the, the first two nights are sold out already. Correct. The two first two sumo hall. Uh, the first two sumo hall ones are, yeah. As far as the third though, they, they raised prices like on God. Do you have the tickets? I don't know if you well, have we got an update on that today. The, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Then. It, it appears as though, uh, the third night it is not sold out yet, but there is so few left that it appears as though it'll sell out on the walk up. Okay. Uh, here's 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 what I got here. This is from Evan Deadly Sins, who studies New Japan attendance. Uh, this is from uh, just a couple minutes ago, actually. Online advanced ticket sales are over. Only the most expensive box category is left, and it's a small amount. I'm positive it sells out on walk up. That category was one which increased the most, going from twelve thousand five hundred yen to twenty thousand five hundred yen. So they nearly doubled the price of those box <laughs> seats, which accounted for some of the slow sales. But as this tournament has moved along, uh, they've sold nearly all of them now, and it appears as though what they have left is is could easily be sold upon walk up. So the third night is either going to sell out or be uh, well, they'll probably announce it as a sellout either way because it sounds like there's not too much left, but it looks like it'll sell out. Now, Rich, the reason this is significant: the final night always sells out. You don't have to worry about that. And that Friday night or the first night show was it Friday, Saturday, Sunday that they run? Is that uh, what yes, yeah, yeah, correct. The Friday night show usually sells out as well, but it's that Saturday show that doesn't. Uh, if you look historically, this is going to be the first time in since 2012, the Kadani Okada era, that they sell out all three nights, the final nights of the G1 as well. So they're up 15.2%. They're going to sell out all three sumo hall shows. That's why I say you can't really complain about these four guys on top. They're obviously moving tickets. So, you know, how can you complain about it? You, you can complain about it from, listen, from an aesthetic standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint, if it's not, that, that's one thing. 
but from a look, this is a show we analyze it from both ends, Rich. You can't. It, it, it's hard to say that this is poor booking or, or, or what they shouldn't be doing if with all of this success that they're showing uh, with this tour. I mean, this, the tournament's up fifteen percent. They're going to sell out all three nights. I mean, what more do you want? What more do you want? <laughs> it's really all I there. Mean, yeah, I mean, there's no counter argument here. Okay, uh, if they're running these two matches again all of next year, that will be a problem. But we know that that's not the pattern, and that's not what they do. So, uh, so yeah, from I think from a an aesthetic standpoint, tournament's been tremendous. I think from a storyline standpoint, there's so many great things that have gone on in this tournament, uh, from Evil to Juice Robinson to Nagata uh, to all of the top guys. Uh, seeds planted for Sonata, um, you know, and 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 from a uh, business standpoint, uh, the, the tournament has been an enormous success. So we head into the final three nights, and I think that uh, we're all pretty much expecting uh, uh, Naito versus Omega. I think you wrote in your article today, breaking down the scenarios, that that was the overwhelming favorite uh, in terms of the pickums, in terms of what people thought would be the final. Um, are you still sticking with that? I think obviously. Yeah, Lockett. I think that's that's still the one that I look at right now, and 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 that's that was our favorite among people that I even picked too. Yeah, with seventy eight point four percent of people thought Naito was going to come with the A block. I I really have no doubt that he's coming from the A block. I mean, you kind of convinced me last week that the Tanahashi Okada thing would be kind of fun, but uh, we know the long term story, and we know that was kind of just a fun little distraction. The long term story is Naito's going to win this uh, tournament. So I yeah, I, I see him, and then of course I see uh, Omega coming in, and he was one that wasn't uh, he wasn't as big of a favorite as, as Naito, but he had a uh, fifty eight point seven percent of people thought he was going to emerge from uh, uh, from the B block. I chose Minoru Suzuki, who actually was uh, second at 24.5. I chose Minoru just to kind of change it up a little bit. I thought they were going to do kind of one where they don't give away a, a match, a, a big-time match like Naito and Omega, who've only had one match prior. But if, you, if you're if you kind of, or maybe they were a little worried about that final, maybe it's not going to sell all the way. Knowing what I knew now, like at the time, I didn't know that they had raised ticket prices as much as they had. Had I known that, I might have went a little bit more chalk and went with like an established matchup there. But that's not to say that Suzuki couldn't come in there and do the same thing. But, you know, with that raised ticket price, I see then why they would go Omega and Naito. Because you still need some attraction, you need some type of big deal to fill up that walk-up, to fill up those last few seats or whatever that you have. And we, we talk about it too, and, and we're at a point now, and I guess you know we can kind of close our, our discussion about the roster depth here, is that we're at a point now where, where yeah, you don't want to go and burn matches, but you have so many matches in the holster now after this tournament that it, it's if you have to quote-unquote burn a Kenny Omega Tetsuya Naito, it's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Like you can, yeah. There's so many other things that you can do now. You have a bunch of new guys to play with, a bunch of new stars to kind of work with, that the idea of a quote burnt match isn't necessarily maybe what it, mean, what it meant uh, a few weeks ago or even a, f- a few months ago. So, yeah, I, Omega Naito, I, I think, is going to be the well, I think you hit on the, on the best point, which was um, when you consider the, that they doubled the ticket price, I think we underestimated the idea that they didn't need a big-time match in the final. Right. Because it's very clear that they're going to need a little bit of a walk-up to finish it off. Uh, very bold move, doubling the prices. Very bold move, raising the prices on the tour. Um, we know that Kidani can be bold. And uh, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. They've had some shows that were flops. We talked about that Dominion show. They also, uh, well, one year they tried to run. Um, they, didn't they try to run Osaka Joe Hall or oh no Cebu Dome? They tried to run Cebu the Dome. Cebu Dome yeah, that yeah. didn't that didn't work out. Um, so there have been some flops due to over aggressiveness. And uh, they, they you know they still attempted. I think the next step is going to you think it would be wise maybe next year or the year after to attempt to go back to five straight nights in Sumo Hall to close out the G1 tournament. Do you think they could uh, maybe not sell out? Well, well, I'll ask you. Do you think they could sell out five straight nights, or do you think they could do well at uh, five straight nights, even if they don't sell out all five of them? Do you think it would be viable 
to run five straight nights, which yeah, obviously but- I think that's the next step. That seems a little risky in my mind. I mean, if, they, if they're confident in it, I mean, go for it. But to me, I wouldn't. I think there's still – the reason that these three sell out is because you have the A-block final and you got this big-time matchup, and that big-time matchup is going to determine who goes into the finals. Then you have the B-block. Of course, that's a big-time matchup, but one that you've already proven as a draw at Dominion and at Wrestle Kingdom or whatever. So you have the confidence in that. And, then of course, you have the finals, which, which sort of speak for themselves. The, the issue is if you get into those other ones, if you start kind of trickling into just random nights of the G1, now you really have to book a, a, a perfect show. You have to book a big time in event that's going to make people do that and how many big time in events are you going to book at least like i guess if the implication is do well versus sell out do well i think you could do well for f- those five nights especially those first two could do well i don't know that they'd sell out i think they'd be pushing it if they try to sell out there well, I, I think they- what you'd have to do is you'd have to take the matches that you would normally use to main event your bigger buildings like your osakas and places mm-hmm. like that and move them into the sumo hall shows, but then you have to replace those because you're still going to run Osaka, the big building. Right? Yeah, and 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 I, the reason I wouldn't do that too is because I think you want to throw some bones to these other cities as well. I mean, I, I know there's still the, the the benefit of okay, we're in sumo hall and we're selling out these things or whatever, but I think it's important to make sure that people in Osaka still think, hey, I go to a New Japan show, I get really good shows, or I get you know, especially the G1 Osaka show. You want to prove to them that they're going to get a big time matchup, that, that that they're a big time city that deserves a big time matchup and a big time card and a well deserved card or whatever. Because Osaka's traditionally, I mean, the past few years we like the G one that's that's been traditionally one of the better shows of the entire tour or a few times they go to osaka so it's always yeah. a hot crowd no matter what yeah time. so so you got the investment from them i don't know that i'd necessarily want to say hey look yeah you get this match now because whatever because we got to move one of these big shows so we can sell out sumo hall or whatever i i would worry about that i think one of the cool things about g1 is that they tour around the whole country and that they go to all these different cities and that these people can see you know and i know it's a business and i know that but i think there's a benefit to making sure that that people in even in, in different cities get a pretty fun show as well versus stacking it all for just just to go to Tokyo and just to do the Sumo Hall show. I, I, I like the idea that there's some good stuff on the spot shows. So I wouldn't be in favor of it, but I, I could see them doing well with it if they tried. As far as other stuff they could do, growth, I don't know. Uh, people mentioned like the Tokyo Dome. I don't know that you want to necessarily put it at the finals in the Tokyo Dome or something. Like that. Yeah, that that seems like a kind of a risk too. The Cebu Dome, we saw that being a kind of a risk. I don't know. That might be their next step is, you know, maybe you do two in Sumo Hall and then the last one's in Tokyo. I don't know what the hell the schedule is like for the Tokyo Dome. I'm just kind of throwing stuff out there. But uh, that's a possibility. But I think, you know, maybe take your winnings here with these three Tokyo Dome shows or uh, these three uh, Sumo Hall shows and consider that kind of a, a pretty good thing. And don't get too big for your britches because I think that could uh, that could have a negative effect in, in some ways. You know, but you know, listen, you know how business works. You're either trying to grow or you're, yeah, you, right. you know, so, I mean, it, it, they're not going to stay stagnant. So I'm just wondering if if the next step is to attempt going back to five straight nights or something along those lines or moving the final back to uh, a dome. Um, you know, so because I, know- I, I would see that being more plausible is moving it to Cebu or Tokyo, maybe giving Cebu another try now. I mean, that, that might be worth it this time, but. Yeah. Well, uh, let's go over some of these matches where we left off last time. There were some uh, huge matches. I think the Okada Suzuki match is a match uh, that a lot of people are calling the match of the tournament. Uh, this was, uh, and then there were a couple of upsets that we should talk about, but let's start with Okada Suzuki. What'd you think of this one? This was Okada with another draw. Now he, this is a guy now who's had four excellent draws over the last couple of years. He's got the two draws with Tanahashi, both in the G1, the Suzuki draw now from the G1. And of course the Okada, uh, the Omega 60 minute draw, uh, this Suzuki match, you know, this was something else. You know, I, I finished watching this and I thought it was a, a great match. I didn't think it was a, I don't think it's match to your level. Like a lot of people saying, I think it's a slight notch below, 
Uh, but I did think it was a great match. I think it, uh, I didn't, I think the problem for me, uh, this is the kind of match for me that was hurt a lot by the fact that I knew the result. I think watching it spoiled hurt it. I think I would see it as a match at a year level match if I had watched it live or I had watched it unspoiled. Uh, but I think especially sometimes with a draw, this is why I thought that the Okada Omega match would be hurt by me watching it spoiled, but it ended up not being the case. But I think draws are really hurt by the idea that you're watching them spoiled because there's just a, there's a different kind of drama with a draw. Sure. Because, because a lot of times you don't see a draw coming. And I, I, I don't think, you know, I was watching this match and I was trying to think to myself, okay, I know the draw is coming, but if I was watching live, are they tipping off a draw? And then yes. it totally ruins. <laughs> it hurts, yeah. But I think that the 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 final moments there, where they were, they got into the 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 you know the slap fight, the vicious slap fight that they got into, and Okada's uh, just getting progressively more nasty with his strikes down the stretch, and uh, Suzuki bringing back the uh, what's the gimmick where he grabs the guy by the neck and flips him over his back? You know, I don't know the names of these movies. Oh God, that one's a little uh, tough too. I don't. I, <laughs> I don't probably forgot what that one's called too. You know, it's just got a, a cool name though. Whatever it is, I forgot what it's. There was a certain viciousness to this match, and uh, and 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 the draw definitely would have caught me off guard. I was not expecting a draw in this situation, but I watched it spoiled. I still thought it was a great match. I don't think it was the best match in the tournament. Whether or not that's because I watched it knowing the result, I don't know. What did you? Saka Otoshi, right? Isn't it the Saka Otoshi? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was a cool name. Uh, I actually watched it. Um, so <laughs> this is kind of weird because so I, I sent in the because every morning I'll go in and I'll send in the, the G1 climax, you know, the, the updates for our pick'em contest or whatever. And for whatever reason, something in my brain, maybe I read it or whatever, said that Okada won this match. So I put Okada in as the as the points, and I said, "All right, everybody, go check out the standings or whatever." Da da da. No one caught it. Nobody said anything. And then I'm watching the match. And I'm watching the match or whatever. And I'm like, "All right, cool, cool, cool." And then the bell rings, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" What and and part of me was it actually really helped the match because i went in thinking okada won i don't know why i did but then when it was a draw i was like holy shit that was awesome i did not see a draw coming whatsoever it was like one of those weird things where i should have been spoiled but somehow my idiocy maybe not spoiled but hey that worked out really well because yeah i i loved it for that reason i i'm not, I'm not matching the year level either i don't know if this is my fa- I, I don't think it's even in my top five as far as favorite g1 matches and that's it's taste too because i absolutely I, I i adored this match for what it was and i really enjoyed it but there were some other matches on this g1 that and we'll talk about uh, i'm sure next week when we kind of wrap up the whole tournament that I enjoyed a little bit more. But as far as this one was, what I really looked at with, with this match was being different than the previous Okada Suzuki match, the one that we had a few months ago. I wanted it to be, I didn't want it to be that same match condensed into 30 minutes or whatever. I didn't want it to be that same match with a little bit of a different wrinkle or somebody does something a little bit different. Why they didn't do any, I mean, this was, this couldn't have been two different matches than, the, than those two. Um, and, and that I loved because it was like Okada. It, there was the viciousness that you talked about. Suzuki was just beating on him and beating on him and beating on him. I got visions of that Tenru Okada match where it was just like Tenru was just out there just to beat the fuck out of <laughs> out of um, Okada. And Okada had to take a lot of it. And it was kind of fun to see you know Okada taking it and Okada taking the damage or whatever. And then little by little, you see him getting kind of pissed off about it. He's getting slapped a bunch and he gets pissed off. And then he hits that gotch pile driver or whatever. And the crowd goes nuts, and the crowd's they fuck Okada. Now they're all in on board on Suzuki, and that was a cool little turnaround to see where Okada had this idea. Like, because we always talk about that with Okada, he, he's a he's a baby face, he's a good guy, he's a happy go lucky guy, he's a comfy guy. But if you piss him off enough, he he'll start showing that dick side to him, and that's what this was. He just got sick of Suzuki slapping around and 
and punched him around like he was a veteran. He was a rookie, and he said, you know, fuck you. No, I'm better than you. So, you know, he hits, he steals his move, hits it on him. Crowd starts booing him. He Okada kind of looks at the crowd like, ah, I don't really care. You know, <laughs> I'm going to show this guy I'm better than him. And then, like you said, they get into that slap fest. It was just an awesome, awesome slap fest. And, and yeah, the end of the match, I, I really just loved the last uh, little stretch of the match, the last real half of the match. Uh, was great, and I didn't see the draw coming at all because I thought Okada won, uh, but I thought they did a good job. Even if I saw the draw coming, I could see how you would still like. I don't think it ruined the match entirely if you knew the draw was coming, but I, I could see how it, you know maybe some of the intrigue is lost, but but still, I thought they did a great job telling a great story, and, and the big important thing for me was they told a completely different story than they told earlier in the year. The, the earlier one in the year was Suzuki just working the legs, working the legs, working the legs, working submission, working submission. He didn't go for that this time. He said, ah, I tried that. That didn't work. I'm just going to beat the fuck out of you. I'm an MMA fighter. I can, I can just slap the fuck out of you and, and and beat the hell out of you. I don't need to do submissions. I don't need to get fancy. I'm just going to beat the hell out of you. And, and Okada stepping up and, and not letting that happen. And, yeah, he didn't win, uh, but that he survived Suzuki, I think, showed enough as well. And, and, and Suzuki looked pretty dominant as well because he slapped around the champion as much as he did and got it to a draw. So when they want to have another match, whether it be a few months from now uh, after Wrestle Kingdom or whatever, there's still going to be the intrigue of, all right, look, Suzuki brought him to a draw. You know, he basically beat the hell yeah. out of him in the first match. He brought this one to a draw. Uh, if they, you know, Suzuki can get this guy if he really wants to. I mean, Suzuki was right there each of those times. So that's a cool little story, too. But Okada looks good, too, because he survives the beatings of Minoru Suzuki. So I thought all around it, it was a great match. I think there was more character growth for Okada in this match, even though he drew, than in right, the match right, that yeah. he won. Oh, oh 100%. Absolutely. Because he, match- he survived that last match. I mean, he barely yeah, the match he won, won exactly. It was, a, it, was, it was about survival. And uh, this match, I think it was him going toe to toe with this monster and not backing down and uh, matching him blow for blow. The, the slap battle that they had in the closing moments is going to go down as a uh, as 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 one of the moments in this G1 that nobody ever forgets. This is going to be a historical moment in, in Okada's career. You're going to look back at Okada's career and you're, you know, whether you think of the Tenru match or whether you think of uh, some of the Tanahashi matches or Fuji last year. Uh, Matt, or, or holding on to, to, to Tanahashi's wrist the first time, which was a big moment in his career, or uh, you know um, uh, the the Omega match. This will be right there. This slap fight that he had with Suzuki down the stretch, and the thing about Okada, particularly in this tournament, is he's uh, you know he's he showed such range in character from match to match. Each match that he's had has has been has been vastly different, has been unique, and has been special in its own way, with the exception of the Tamatanga match, which was just a match. And I'm going to throw Yano out, the Yano match out, just because it's Yano and it's so different. Uh, but if you're into Yano, you could, you could add that one in too, uh, realistically. But the rest of his matches have all been so vastly different in this tournament. And, have, and he's shown a different side of his character in every one of these matches. I mean, the idea that Okada is this emotionless void uh, who, who doesn't, you know, th- that's such an antiquated argument at this point that I feel like if people make that, they're not watching. Um, because that's totally not the truth. I mean, this guy is uh, is far from that. Uh, whether it's the Kojima match, you know, working heel, or or this match uh, f- going toe to toe with Suzuki, uh, the bully, or or uh, or working, uh, um, you know, is is and, and not respecting uh, some of his opponents. Uh, whether it's um, uh, you know Juice or Kojima or somebody mm-hmm. like that, you know, and 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 then every match he's had has been vastly different from a character standpoint and a match structure standpoint. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I probably would have liked it a lot more if it wasn't spoiled. Let's talk about some of these big upsets. Uh, we had, uh, obviously, well, let's do Evil, evil versus Okada. Because I yeah, think yeah, that's, 
that's the obvious one. I mean, you know, we talked about it briefly before. I mean, this was a star-making match for Evil. I think Evil, uh, we talked about it the previous two weeks. I think he's been having a very underrated tournament, uh, Bell to Bell. He's come a long way. I think we're going to look back at the 2017 G1 as, as the time when Evil really stepped up as a top-level uh, player, Bell to Bell, on this company. And uh, this upset over Okada, which was a tremendous match, just an awesome match, uh, uh, really was the... Uh, uh, will be the you know his his big crowning, but this was a this was the obviously uh, you know it doesn't get any bigger. Okada and New Japan, especially during this run. So, uh, what more can you say from that standpoint? I love the match though. Uh, I, I, I the fans were super into it. Um, I love the performances from both guys. What you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, this was one of my favorite nights of the entire tournament because you had the juice one that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But yeah, as far as this one, I, I mean. It <laughs> just incredible match from, from beginning to end. And, and I think the part that really got me was that the crowd from, from almost the beginning said, we want an upset here. You, you know, I almost would have thought that, that they would have pulled like a, a, an audible just seeing the crowd because the crowd from the minute was like, all right, we're in for this. We want an upset. And I don't know that that was necessarily anything about Okada's doing or evil's doing or whatever, but you could just tell pretty early on in the crowd was like, you know what? No, we, we want evil to win here. We think he can win here. We're going to kind of rally behind him. And it was really cool to see uh, the roles reverse there a little bit. I mean, evil obviously is a little some guy he's obviously a little bit more of the heel side but uh he was able to play up a little bit to the crowd show you that you know if and when they want to make him a a good guy they absolutely can and, and okada is so good at, at at turning that switch as well maybe he's not he's not as good as tanahashi i think tanahashi is the best at sort of playing up to it but okada is pretty good too i mean it takes one little smirk one little you know don't break the submission and the crowd will get on him and they were on him here too because they essentially just wanted to see the upset they really wanted to see this guy come out of nowhere they wanted to sort of invest in evil uh, and see what he can do and yeah that's absolutely what you saw here and and uh, I thought a testament as well to Evil, because considering what happened, you know, a few nights prior of him getting knocked out uh, with the Omega match, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, that he was able to do as well as he was w- w- was great too. But um, one thing I loved about this match is that you have Okada, so he hits the Rainmaker. I believe he hit it twice, right? And then did he go for a third one, if I remember correctly, or did he go for one and then try to go for another? And it was a sequence where I don't remember how many it was total, but he did try to go for another. And he yeah, I don't know. Like it was one of those things where maybe he hit one that wasn't like perfect. Then he hit one that was. No, you perfect. know what? It, you know how I read it. I read it as you know sometimes where he hits one and he really realistically mm-hmm. can beat the guy, but he wants to send a message. Exactly. Right. Right. I think that's what this was, but it backfired finally. Exactly. So he goes to hit it again, and then he will you know reverse it and hits the SCO. And I love that because it's like Okada got in his own head sometimes, which he does, yep. and it's a cool little story that he can tell. Is like the crowd's booing him, the crowd wants the upset, and he's like, yeah, 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 I'm gonna put this little asshole away. And, and shove it up your ass or whatever, and he gets yeah. a little too cocky and goes for one too many. And that's a how how cool of a story is that? How cool? How yeah. awesome is that? Then that evil just says that one little second where he goes because it kind of took a little while to do it too because he kind of looks around like I should go for the cover. Yeah, you know what? No, let me do one more. And that little second, that little hesitation, that little bit of getting in your own head gave evil the opening to hit the SCO and then get the, the flash pin right out of nowhere, which I love too. That's cool too. That it wasn't like he hit it and then had to really work on him. It's like hey, you can get caught. Uh, in just a few seconds. And we saw that with the, the juice match too. It's like, don't get cocky. Cause yeah, in a few seconds, one of these guys can pull an upset on you. But I thought that spot was great. And I love when they do that with Okada, where he just and sometimes gets a little stupid a little gets in his own head. Yeah. It gets a little it, too cocky. Sometimes. The running theme of this man's career is cockiness is what kills him. And that's what reared its head here. And that's always been the theme with Okada. So yeah, you know, tremendous stuff. And I guess we'll transition right to the juice upset of Omega, which uh, look, 
we kind of had this match circled, you know, it's, it's, we kind of knew this one would be special. It turned out to be very special. Uh, it wasn't Juice's only win. Of course he beat Kojima earlier in the tournament. What do you, what's he have four points right now? I think um, it, was I believe it was a four, a four, six. Let me fire it up. Real, Might real, real have beat cool. someone. I, uh, six. He's got six right now. I forgot. I forgot who the other victory was against, but yeah, he's got six. Right. So, uh, but he beats Kenny Omega. Oh, Kojima. He beat Kojima. I forgot about he beat Ko- that. Yeah. He beat Kojima, but who was the other win? Cause it was Kojima. Uh, he's got Kojima, Omega and Yano. Oh, Yano. Right. Next night or not the next night. Not the next night, but his next, his next, the next block. Yeah. The next block night. Uh, yeah. So he beats Omega. And I think, you know, just the reaction from juice after the match, I think was what was so great about that. Just the, the, you know, his, how euphoric he was that he was able to beat Kenny Omega and, uh, just a great moment, a feel good moment. The guy had just such an awesome tournament limping around on that leg. Selling <laughs> leg. that leg for three weeks. <laughs> and I don't know if you've been doing it, but, um, you know, on new Japan world, they have, uh, you know, a 20 minute video every night of the post-match comments. No, you told me I shouldn't. I really should have. I felt bad that I, I, I didn't watch these, but I know you've been watching them. You know, I don't watch, you know, the whole 20 minutes. I watch certain guys, you know, and I watch juice every night and his have just been so fantastic all tournament long. He's depressed. He's down on himself. He's like, I wish I had more points than this, but I'm still going to go out there and fight my ass off. I can't wait. It's just, it's hard for me to convey how he comes across. You know, you really need to go back and watch those because he's done a tremendous job in those uh, post-match interviews. And uh, it, it, for me, that added to his victory over Omega. Well, Cause it finally all, you know, because he realized once he was eliminated, you know, that he's like, well, I could still go out there and I could beat Kenny Omega, you know, and that would be a huge win for my career. And yeah, he's, he's fighting for pride, which is, is, is something cool. And he's like, and I, and I, and I can't lose to a guy like Yano, you know, and, and like he's saying, I gotta <laughs> beat Yano, you know, he's like, if I can't beat Yano, maybe I don't belong here. And I, and if I could beat a guy like Kenny Omega, you know, that can make my career. And then he goes out there and beats both of those guys, you know, and, uh, and, 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 and the, and the thing about juice is, He's gotten over with the crowd to the point where now they believe in him and they like him. And remember, Rich, when he first got there, he couldn't have been less over. No, he was trying his clapping, and the crowd just looked at him like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> remember that? And, we talked and, about how embarrassing it was that first time when he went out there and tried to just do every babyface thing in the world. The clap, the slap the top of the turnbuckle, let's go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he's just screaming at him, like being old school ladies, and nobody, and there was crickets, and they were just looking you know, at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, Big Mike is over to is over big time right now, and Juice Robinson is, is super over right now. But they really took two different paths, right? Mike Elgin came in, and his very first tour was the G One, and from his very first match, he got over with those people because of his physical ability, and he went out there and had great matches, and he was tossing people around, and he was over from the jump, and he's gotten more and more over to the point now where I think, like I said earlier, I think he's he can be a top line guy right now. He could be, and uh, but Juice. Richie started from ground zero. He started from nothing. I mean, they, they couldn't give a shit about this guy for the first six months he was there. And it's been progressive. And his elevation has been slow. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been just great long-term booking with this guy to get him to this point. And, you know, maybe next year he goes 500 in the G1. And maybe the year after that, if he's still around, he is a player. Who knows? I don't know if he'll still be around. But it just it, it's been just such patient progressive booking with someone another great example of not giving up on someone and believing in them and just letting and and, and bringing them along slowly and and i'll tell you what i think those stupid never six-man titles had a lot to do with it you know that gave him some credibility t 
teaming with Tanahashi and teaming yeah, say, with having that Tanahashi cred goes a long way too. That was a guy who who immediately sort of took him under his wing and 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 once you get that endorsement, it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll give this guy a chance, and that's what happened. Yeah, and 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 it put him in positions put him in a position to work big time matches with big time guys and get that rub, you know, uh, in a lot of ways, new Japan is, it's just, it's just traditional booking, you know, with, with sort of new age flavor mixed in. And, and, and you see examples of that, especially with juice, but just a very emotional win yeah. over Omega. And, uh, and one thing I, I love too, sorry, not to interrupt, but one thing I, we always talk about the production of new Japan. And I think it's important as well is, is the camera shots they do after like, like the juice win is a, is a perfect example as well. You get that guy wins, and they don't cut to the crowd. They don't cut to a commercial. They don't cut to the next match. They they, they hone in on him, and they show his reaction. You you're right up in his face, and you hear him go, "Oh my god, I can't believe it!" And like you know, and and the whole way down the ramp, they're following him the entire time and zooming in, like those close things. I mean, it's it's such an important thing to be as close as you can to those guys because that lets you in there as a viewer. Then you see the emotions of a Juice Robinson. You can see what he says. You can see how happy he is or whatever. They don't cut to the a stupid crowd shot. They don't cut to the announcers yamming around about. Something. I mean, it's important to kind of stick on that moment too, and, and not let it. You know, the guy who pulls the big upset, and they go, "Oh my god, I can't believe it! We'll be right back!" Like, like then you lose it, then it's gone. But they let it sit in a little bit. They get to, you know, they cut back to Omega, who's in the ring. Like, Jesus Christ, how the hell did that happen? I had the guy. Uh, you know, I was in my one wing angel. What the? Hell? I don't even know what happened. He's looking at, you know, he's looking at red shoes or whoever. I forgot who the ref was, but it was red shoes. And like, no, 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 there's no way that happened. It, it's it's little moments like that. There's little things that just like production goes a long way to getting people in those, and that made those moments that much more special. Is is, is that they let those kind of sit and they let them kind of stay and you were able to get inside the psyche of those wrestlers it's i, I bring it up all the time about new japan production and, and it's just incredible and i know um i forgot his name and i, re- I really feel bad but somebody actually did make a video uh, about the things that new japan production does on youtube and he, he linked it to us because we were talking about uh one of the the shows i forgot what i mean there, there's so many things where they do really good production but he said hey can you link to my video or hey you know here let me promote my video if you look up uh, new japan pro wrestling production um I think if you look up that, you're going to find the video. I forgot exactly what it's titled, but if you look that up, you'll see a really good video breaking down a lot of the stuff that they do that makes it that much more important. I think people, especially us, the ones that are in their live that just watch it on New Japan World or whatever, don't appreciate how well they shoot wrestling and how much that makes us really feel for the characters, feel for the stories, get involved in those stories a little bit more, is the production goes a long way in doing that. The video is by, uh, let's see, I've got it up now. It's a... Uh... It's a seven-minute video on YouTube uh, really showing uh, the unique things that New Japan does uh, with their video production. Um, the user is Showbuckle. Yes, there it is. Now. So uh, there you go. Yeah, you, if you look it up, it's called New Japan Pro Wrestling Sublime Video Production Style. So that's Correct. the exact one. You can look up New Japan Pro Wrestling's uh, video production, and too. It'll come up. But yeah, if you want to look for it, Showbuckle is the name of uh, the YouTube channel. So yeah, really good stuff. Really uh, shows you the little them. things they do. Yeah, yeah. That Rich is constantly harping on every week on this show, uh, that that really enhance what's going on uh, with the production in that company. Um, some other matches, I thought Zack Saber Jr. had excellent matches with both Naito and Nagata over the last week or so. Um, his matches have felt a lot different than everybody else's matches, I think. And then you know you have matches like Tanahashi Ishi, which is like a four and a half star match, but it just the tournament's <laughs> lost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the tournament's so deep and so awesome that you know you, you, there's you really you know they, they, these matches don't really get the hype that that they would you know Kota Ibushi Tanahashi I thought was an excellent match. I didn't think it was like match of the tournament or anything, but you know a match like Ibushi Tanahashi, which is you know like the 13th or 14th best match in this tournament would be the best match in like any other tournament in the world. I mean, it's just ridiculous how, how good and deep this thing is. And it's like, you know, 
to exemplify that, I look at a guy like Tetsuya Naito and uh, Dylan Harris, who um, he does the podcast with Striga. I always forget the name of it. Uh, uh, Eastern Lariat. Eastern Lariat. On the yeah. MLW Radio Network. Yep. Yeah. And um, me and him were talking about this, and it's how, how Naito's had uh, what we consider to be uh, a disappointing G1. But I put disappointing in quotes. It's like, you know, if I really ranked it out, I think Naito to this point has probably been the 10th or 11th most interesting person in this tournament. And he's had two or three like awesome, incredible matches, including a match at a year level match with, with Ibushi. The problem with these G1s now is you can have two or three really awesome matches and you, and, and you still, there's still the possibility that you won't stand out. Right, the Goto thing last week, where I was like, "Yeah, I'm not into Goto," and you're like, "Well, let me read off his matches." I'm like, "Oh, all those are very good." <laughs> right, but he doesn't stand out because, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you look at Naito and he's had the Abushi match, he's had the Zack Saber Junior match, you know, uh, you know, he's had a couple other matches. But the problem is, two or three outstanding matches in this tournament isn't good enough anymore. When there's other guys having four, five, six, seven standout matches. Look at Okada. The guys had like seven standout matches on in the, on the, in this tournament. Kota Ibushi's had five, six, seven standout matches in this tournament. Uh, so it, it's like you can have like two or three really awesome four and a quarter, four and a half star matches, and you just get lost in the shuffle. It's crazy. Look at Ishii. Again, the guy that no one ever talks about, and the guy just match after match. He may have been the most consistent guy in this tournament. Yeah, that Ichi Nagata match, that was from the same night as the, the Ibushi Tanahashi. It's one of my favorite matches. It might make my top five in the entire tournament. I love that match, but it's like it, it gets so lost that I, I don't even hear anybody talking about it. And that's yeah, my I mean, favorite match the entire time. Yeah. And Dylan's a smart guy who watches a ton of wrestling. And, you know, I'm a guy who watches a ton of wrestling. But And, and we're both saying that we're, we're disappointed in Naito. And and it's like he's he's been really good. Yeah, he had maybe the, maybe two of the top five matches of the entire tournament. One of the what's probably going to be most people's entire favorite match of the entire tournament. But yeah, disappointing. <laughs> yeah, and, and still, despite that, he's bottom half. He's in the second division. <laughs> well, Kenny Omega. I, we were talking to people. I was talking to people. Um, I think I think off air a little bit. Well, no, no, I was talking a little bit on Twitter and and a little bit in our uh, in our group Slack chat, and we talked about it a little bit last week. But like Omega's just been fine. It's like Omega's had great matches, but you know, fine is relative in the. G1 like what Omega's output has been has been okay but it's like yeah you're not Okada you're not Ishii you're not, I mean there's it's, it's it's nuts that a guy like Kenny Omega can go out there and have as many great matches as he had and still feel like he's in the the bottom half of guys in this entire tournament which is just nuts like he's he's not he shouldn't now be. see I, I'll disagree a little on Omega because I I think he's been one of the top four or five guys because when I when I look at the Elgin match which I mean, I thought was just incredible. Um, you know, I you know, and then I look at the evil match. He's peaked super, super high. Um, but yeah, he has had some. Well, here, let, let me go over some guys. I want to go over some guys, and you tell me if, if Omega's had a better tournament than them or not. Okay. Okay. Because okay. I think I think you're gonna be surprised how low you probably put him. Okay, let's do it. All right. So Naito, you're, you're obviously. I've preferred Omega's tournament to Naito's. Yes. Right. Uh, Tanahashi. Uh, now. Tanahashi, man, I love his tournament. <laughs> I want you guys in. <laughs> I love Tanahashi's tournament because he's been such a brilliant I know, worker I in this tournament. I'm with you. <laughs> you know, that's a tough one because I think Tanahashi's been more consistent. <laughs> I agree. But I think I think I think Omega has peaked higher. And I okay. think that's gonna be a theme as we go down the line. Okay. Look, uh, look, looks- I gave, look, look, I gave Omega Elgin five stars. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. You can't peak any higher than that. <laughs> Uh, bad luck, Folly. I, I'm assuming you're going to have Omega over Bad luck, Folly. has been – now, look, uh, either Folly or Tamatanga have been the worst guy in the tournament. 
But the thing is, I think, and I, and I don't include Yano. Yano is, is in his own division. Right, we're not even going to mention him. I don't even compare him to anybody else. Um, but but the thing about Fale is I've really liked some of his performances. I don't expect Fale to go out there and have a five-star match. I expect Fale to work to his character, and he's done that. With that said, I think Fale's been brutal in some spots too. Yeah. Fale against Zack Sabre Jr. was bad. He was bad in that match. All right, uh, Kota Ibushi. Ibushi's been better than Omega, yes. Okay, so we got one. Uh, Hiroki Goto. No. Okay, Tomohiro Ishii. Yes. Okay, we got two. Zack Sabre Jr. No, I can't say he has been, no. Okay. Uh, I don't think any of these other guys. Togi Makabe, Yoshihashi, Yuji Nagata. I know you're not you have know, as big on Yuji as some other people. Well, I would so. put see, I would put Omega ahead of Nagata, but I know a lot of people wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. So that's fine. That's, that's fair. And that's fair. I don't think that's unfair. Okay. Uh Okada. Okada's been better than Omega, yes. Okay, we got three there. Uh Evil. That see, that's another one that's that's close. That's real, real close. You know what? I think I've liked Evil's tournament overall. This is crazy to say, though. All these guys have been great. This is so hard. <laughs> I know. I'm not trying. I'm just. I'm just trying to point out that it's. Yeah, like, I know. I know what you're doing. Here. So we're at four right now. So Minoru Suzuki. No, no, no way. Okay. Uh, Sonata. No. Uh, Michael Elgin. No, because Elgin. See, he's just like Elgin's Omega. Best was was where there. I gave Elgin. Okay, all right, you want to think about this? Think <laughs> yeah. about this for this tournament. I have Elgin with two five-star matches. Five-star matches! I have Elgin with two five-star matches, and I think he's been like the seventh best guy in the tournament. Are you kidding me with this G1? Are you kidding me? With this, with this thing. I mean, geez, the great one climax, Rich. There this it is. incredible. The guy's got two five-star matches, you know? But then he goes out there against Yano, and I don't know what the fuck that was. You know, it's like, and then he has, it's crazy. Two five-star matches. <laughs> and he's the bottom half, maybe, or seventh. You know, he's well, yeah, no, right like at the cusp there, right at the cusp there, yeah. He's second tier, and I gave him five <laughs> stars twice. What are we doing here? The guy is maybe on the best run of his life, and that's only good enough for, like, seventh best in this company. In this tournament, not even the company as a whole, just of this tournament, of of these guys that they've selected for this tournament, not even that's nuts. Uh, Juice Robinson, I'm uh, sorry if you hear the squeaking in the background. I, I my dog has found the absolute loudest toy. Now here's the thing: I, I think I think I think Kenny's had again has peaked higher than Juice, but 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 like first match to last match consistency. How can you not love Juice's story here? So I don't know. It's a tough one. It's really tough. I can't do it. I'd have to say Kenny's peak tire. Yeah, but it's tough. It's it's hard. And then uh, Tomatonga, Toriano, and, and Kojima, I believe you're. Well, so right, I said like fifth or sixth or something. You know. Yeah, like, yeah. So you know, and it's like so maybe not bottom half. Maybe I was a little aggressive in the bottom half. But I'm a yeah. guy who I like Nagata's uh, run a little bit more than Omega's. But, but and again, like we're splitting hairs here because we were like, oh, you didn't like Omega. And like I had people about that last week with Goto. Like oh well. Goto's had a good tournament. You're just you don't like Goto. I'm like, no, I love Goto. I'm just I'm pointing hey. out I'm pointing out the, how good this tournament is. That Hiroki Goto, Goto is can firm. work his ass off and have great matches and still feels like an afterthought in this tournament. Firmly in the bottom half right. after the last week <laughs> too, because his, he fell behind some people in the second in in in, in since we recorded. Right. I mean, because he had some matches that just didn't land at all. Um, you know, and he really peaked at around four flat, which in this tournament. <laughs> You have four-star matches, and people are like, ah, well, you know. Yeah, you bum. <laughs> you lazy bum. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, look at look at Yoshihashi. I was shocked at how many times I had him on my sheet. Yeah. You know? But he's peaking at, like, four, four and a quarter. 
And that doesn't cut it in this fucking tournament. It doesn't. It just doesn't. You know, but he's been excellent, realistically. You know, but you have the high peak guys like Omega, Elgin, and Suzuki too. Minoru Suzuki has peaked very high in the yes, tournament. Yes, but yeah. He's had some garbage too. But I've enjoyed his, like when he squashed Sonata and he squashed Juice, those were, you know, a lot of fun to watch because I think that's when he's at his best. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, the only people I haven't really enjoyed, I think Togi Makabe really cooled off after he started off well. Uh, he's been a guy who I've been like rolling yeah, he, my he eyes. He proved with. us all right uh, very quick because it was that first week and everyone's like, oh man, Togi Makabe is working his ass off. It's like, oh no, no, no. <laughs> hey, Rich, you know, I say that. I say that. And he had matches against, uh, <laughs> I'm looking at my sheet and I, the Tanahashi match, I went four flat and the, uh, uh, he had a match against, uh, was it a Bushi? I can't remember. But, uh, you know, so even even with that saying, it's like, you know, no, it was a Bushi Nagata that I really liked, not a Bushi uh, Makabe. But, uh, but yeah, so I think, uh, you know, Tamatanga is a guy who, who Tonga and Fale, right, would have to be. The yeah, if Tonga doesn't come in the tournament ever again, I think I'd be all right. Yeah, you know, he's, you know, I, I was a champion of this guy a couple years ago. I've given up. I mean, I look, he, I like his tag team. And I like his personality. I think he's they've got something cooking there, or at least he's trying to get something cooking with Omega. Um, because who wouldn't want to try get to get something? <laughs> yeah, I, don't blame him. I mean, that if you're gonna try to kickstart a program with somebody and work yourself into a shoot, it's gonna be with Kenny Omega. Uh, but I don't know. I just there's something with this guy with his singles matches where, especially if you can't get it done with this level of competition with guys raising you up, then I just don't know if it's ever gonna be there. And and this is a guy who it's weird, you know. I like his tag work, and I watched him live and was blown away with how great he was live. But look, maybe he's just not a great singles match, big time singles match worker. And there's look, you know, that's there's been guys historically who've been that way, and they usually ended up in tag teams. So we've come full circle. Uh, I just wanted to. Uh, Dave Meltzer's been talking about this a little bit, and he talked about it in the uh, Observer this week as well. And then we'll f- finish our G one talking about go into some of these other topics here but uh his thoughts were he was kind of talking about the guys getting banged up and a little bit of the grind of the tournament and how you know initially there was where there was how many shows i i, I forget the exact number but you had you had the both blocks mixed and you had a ton of singles matches on one show or whatever f- far fewer shows you know it only lasted about two weeks or whatever whereas then they expanded it to something like 19 uh weeks or 19 shows or whatever and the split blocks and all the other stuff uh and we thought that was going to help and the guys would get less hurt or whatever well his idea is that yeah maybe it would have but the tournament has gotten so much better and people are so much trying to deliver a great match that that the, the grind is just too much for these wrestlers or whatever whether you agree or disagree uh, we don't have to get into that right now but i thought he had an interesting thought and i'm kind of curious on your uh your opinion on, on what he thinks uh, an idea could be for future tournaments uh this is from the observer this week's wrestling observer you can get it at fourw online uh, com. If you're not a subscriber to the wrestling observer, I don't know what you're doing, but you should definitely do that right now. Uh, if you're not, but anyway, he says, "Quotes." Uh, my thought is that next year change it to a 24-man tournament, uh, but making it four blocks instead of two. You don't get as many dream matches, but you can still do 19 shows just with generally three tournament matches per show instead of five. Each win means a little bit more. Each loss means a little bit more. It's not perfect as everyone will still be doing the same number of total matches and dates, but they'll have more time to peak for certain matches as opposed to every other show. I think that the four block scenario has been kicked around for a couple of years now. Um, the big key is what they're going to do here is I, I think that th- the switch that they've gone to the system they're using now is much better for guys' bodies uh, than it was previously when it was like 12 out of 14 nights you would work and all 12 of those shows would be hard singles matches 
that was far more difficult, I think, on their bodies than what they're doing. Yeah, now. well, because then you had guys getting out that couldn't finish the tournament. Like, yeah, you might have nagging injuries right now. Okada might have like a you know banged up neck or whatever, and and Omega could be you know his shoulders a little hurt or whatever. But you had guys straight up not being able to. Compete and there's rumors. Anymore. There's rumors that Naito and Goto are very hurt right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which could be affecting their performances or whatnot. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like you're saying, people wouldn't be able to finish this fucking thing in the past, and we haven't seen that happen in a long time. Um, there was that one tournament where what Tenzan and Goto had to drop out of the same tournament. Right, I'm right, yeah. Confused, but I think that was the case. Yeah, I don't know if I know for a fact. Maybe I think they might have been separate years, but I know for a fact there was the year maybe three years ago where Tenzan yeah did like one or two matches and then had to bow out. Right. So, um, you know, I I I don't know. I think that you have to remember too with Dave. He's someone who is always, always, always super concerned with the health of wrestlers. And I'm not saying that is a bad thing. It's just one of his things. The, you know, he was saying that The Undertaker was going to wrestle his last match since like 2005. And The Undertaker didn't wrestle his last match until like last year. So he's just a guy who. This year, you don't remember the fantastic Roman Reigns Undertaker match? Oh, What's there you that? go. Yeah, that's a good point. A 45 I mean, minutes Roman Reigns beats up his grandpa match? <laughs> I. How could I have ever forgotten? I know. How could you? Such a wonderful match. But yeah, he didn't wrestle his last match until fucking four months ago. But you go back and read old observers and it was the end of the line for The Undertaker, you know, since 2004 or whatever it was. So Dave is someone who's always harped on that. It's one of his things. It probably comes from years of talking to wrestlers and them telling them how abused their bodies are and all those sorts of things. And uh, that's just one of Dave's things. So I think he's always going to be a champion of that. And talk about those sorts of issues. Um, he's probably got the Americans that are on the tour telling him how banged up everybody is. And, um, you know, I, I do I see them switching over to that? I see them switching over to whatever is best for business, number one. And uh, it's it, not as if they don't care about uh, the uh, the health of their wrestlers. Clearly, this change was was partly inspired by that. But let's be honest here. It was also so they could run... 19 dates or whatever it is now. How many dates is it? 19 or 20 uh, 19, dates? Yeah, there's 19 shows total now. 19 dates instead of 12. You got seven more gates there. Okay, that had a lot to do with it too. Let's not pretend that this change was strictly for health reasons. But it, it was a factor. You have every other show where you're working a tag. And then you have days off too, these random days off where everybody's off. And then you have matches against Yano, which is essentially a night off. Uh, so, you know, there's there's ways that they've creatively spread out the hard matches with these guys, um, which is why you can't really kill a guy like Kenny. Look, I can't get on Kenny Omega's case. Who works harder than that guy in a big spot? Nobody on earth. Am I going to get mad when he hops around with his legs taped up against Yano? Of course not. You know, am I going to get mad if he takes it easy against whoever else? Because You know, no, because the next night he's going to go out there. And put his literally put his life on the line against you know Michael Elgin or, or, or who knows what he's going to do with Okada in a couple. Of, I, you, I you know how are they going to top what they've done? So I don't know. I think it's just one of Dave's things. Um, I'm always the callous guy in these situations. I don't really care. I you know it, it you know I don't like to see anybody get hurt, but um, I don't know. It's it's just not something that's front and center in my mind. Twenty four man tournament. Four blocks, man, you know, 
now we're putting people back into this thing that probably don't belong there. That's a problem too. And, and, and yeah, it could be something where, yeah, maybe they have an embarrassment of riches and there is the ability to have 24 guys, but I like the system as, as it is right now. I was a little worried about it when it first came because I liked the combined shows or whatever. Cause those, I mean, goddamn, those shows were just the best thing ever. I mean, you, you'd be like what it was. It, I think I forgot what night it was. It was like night three. I think of like the, the 2013 tournament or whatever, where it's like five matches that were four stars or better. It was just oh, incredible. No, it was like, there was that one show. And I, I, I don't it was in Osaka. What year was that? Do you no, do, are you talking about the same one as there, I am? There's a listener that'll that'll the listeners will remind us, but there was a show where seven out of the eight matches were like four and a quarter better. <laughs> that no, might it's, be, it's it's legitimately like night, one of the greatest wrestling shows of all time. I think that's night three of 2013, if I remember correctly. I, I could be wrong. I'll, I'll I'll try to find out. Someone will know for sure. Yeah, they'll um, know instantly. Um, but yeah, this 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 method has worked too. It's just such a grind. 19 nights, you know. But if you go to 24 guys. Now you're talking Yujiro. Now you're talking Tangaloa. Do you want those guys in the tournament? I don't want those guys in the tournament. Um, you know, I, I so you know you, you're going to have to put guys like that in there, though. So I mean, look at it this way: if Shibata and Hanma didn't get hurt, two of the guys that are in it now wouldn't have been in it this year. And I don't know who they would have been. Juice Robinson might have been one of them. I know people say no, no, no. He had title matches this year. He was definitely going to be in it. Maybe. But he's definitely one of the contenders of guys who would have got bumped if Shibata and Hanma, you know, because who else are you bumping? Tamatanga? He was yeah. in it last year. It would have been either Tamatanga, and remember, you got to bump two. It would have been Tamatanga, Juice Robinson, and who else, Rich? So I don't know why everyone gets on my case when I say Juice might have been one of them. Because really, who else you could, would they have bumped? It's not going to be Makabe or Kojima or any of those guys. We know that. It wasn't going to be Fale. It wasn't going to be Yano. I'm telling you, I don't think Juice Robinson was going to be in it. Who else? I mean, you're looking at it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's... Did they ask Kota Ibushi to do it because Shibata wasn't in it? That's a possibility. Yeah. Right? I mean... To me, those are the three possibilities, unless I'm forgetting someone obvious. But I don't think I am. No, yeah, no, that's 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 about it. I the mean, other ones could... all look like locks to me. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it probably yeah. So that and that's a concern I have with Dave, uh, of doing this 24 man and doing four ball. And, and I think there's a certain level of specialness that you don't want to remove too much from because there was obviously, as you said, the big shows and those were just incredible because you had so much packed into those shows or whatever. Uh, and they've been able to make this work because they've created new stars and they have new guys, but. I don't want to stretch that any further, and I do wonder that some of these spot shows, if you have four blocks and 24 guys and, and whatnot, that you could really be stretching it thin where you have uh, a Tonga Loa versus Ko, uh, you know Okada as your main event in the city, and I, I don't know. Is that really going to make people – so, yeah, I, I'm a little worried about that. Until there's really uh, – bangs and scratches and bruises, what I think are always going to happen this year, and, and New Japan plans their year around this as well. Guys will then now take off for a few months, and people will complain about what they do in six man tags, and and they'll complain about you know their their, their lack of effort in tag matches, or whatever. But it's built up this way. They, these guys kind of know what's going on, and, and unless anybody's seriously hurt after this tournament, then I would say okay, well maybe that's the time to look at it a little bit. But if it's like yeah, my shoulder kind of hurts, I got some bangs and bruises or whatever, I'm okay with it. Yeah, maybe it's callous of me, maybe it's it's me being an asshole or whatever. But with that said, they have now three months or so until they really got to get going again. Until October. Until really King of Four Wrestling is the next show where you really got to get going, if I'm correct. Well, you have those September shows too, I guess. But uh, these guys have a little bit of time to kind of get ready and, and get set again. So, yeah, until there's major injuries, I don't know that you necessarily need to change. 
Um, what four? What four people would they have added if there were twenty-four people in this? Oh thing? Jesus! I mean, I guess you could say outsiders. I guess they can maybe give guys, but I mean, they don't really have that many. I don't know the pool well, of outsiders see. that you can choose from that really. Yujiro is a lock. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> a Yujiro, a Tangaroa for sure. You'd be I, think, in there. I think he'd have to be one. And then, really, if you're not doing outsiders, who are you getting? Yeah, Chase Chase Owens. <laughs> uh. Yes, yeah, so we got what? We added Yujiro and Tonga. Um, I mean, I guess War Machine, maybe, if they're around. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, it depends who's around or, or who you can pick. Uh, I mean, it's not good. Yeah, we're really struggling. That 24 is a lot of people. I mean, that, that's, that's you have to do, really... You have to do War Machine, Tanga, Roa, and... Because uh... you can't, within good conscience, put in, like, I, I, anybody old. You can't put Nakanishi. You know what I mean? Like, those guys cannot go in there. You can't put Nakanishi. Uh, Tenzan did the whole, he did his final one already. You can't put him in there. Uh, Nakanishi can't hold up. I mean, he's not, not working no. the tour at all. Um, you know, it's do you throw in a young lion to get zero points? Yeah, or maybe you, you throw in a junior. Maybe you break that a little bit and throw in a junior. Yeah, but it, but if you start doing that, if you start throwing in young lions to get zero points, you're also talking about blocks of five now. Yeah, right. And you're really hurting a block by doing that. You could do that in a block of ten. So I don't know. I just think it would. Uh, you know, last time they changed format, we said it would hurt the quality of the tournament, and it certainly hasn't. So we're making this. We're having the same discussion two years later. Do you think it would hurt the quality of the tournament? I think it would. I think it would, but yeah, we we thought that last These time. These guys too. are so good that maybe it wouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> it's be interesting to see. But yeah, no, I I don't think you necessarily need to do it now. I don't know if this tournament is now the time when you go, okay, we need to make changes or whatever. Whereas that tournament a few years ago, uh, what was it, three years ago now, where like half the guy, I mean, guys were like bowing out in the final nights, and you could just tell that that guys were really hurt and guys were hurt for the rest of the year or whatever. That was a year where it was like, okay, we need to slow this down and chill out a little bit here. But yeah, I mean, if, if these guys are going to coast in tag matches in between these turns or whatever and just have bumps and bruises when it's all said and done, I think that's a pretty good way to end out this tournament, especially if business is growing like it is. So I, I wouldn't change much about it. So, so, all right, I just thought that was kind of fun to talk about real briefly there. Uh, man, we got a lot of different ways to go. Is there any particular topic that you are interested in? Now it's kind of the potpourri that you were saying. G1's out of the way, and now we got about seven or eight other topics we can chat about. So we're basically going to do, you go? do uh, bouncing around the indies here. Yeah, bouncing around the world. <laughs> we got a lot to do. Let's talk about this Australian uh, stuff that's going on here. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. This is a real interesting week in that part of the world, and, and I've really been banging the drum the last couple of months that the next big thing, uh, the next hot spot in wrestling, you either, you either get in on the ground floor or you fall behind and, and, and you're going to regret that you did, is uh, the Australia slash New Zealand region. You just you see stars coming out of there over the last few years. You see uh, Bad Luck Follies got a school down there in New Zealand. You got your Jay Whites and your Bad Luck Follies and your TMDKs and and your uh, the, the, the performance center is loaded yeah. with people from Dude, that region now. Scouting the area too, doing shows there. I mean that that was a big yeah. turnoff too. And they're really like, all right, we're going to start, you know, putting some muscle in, in in this area. That's where you could kind of tell if something's going on there. Hanare, who's been injured. Who they yeah. Found, oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Forget about him. Jeez. Yeah. Along with Jay White and Fale, and then uh, of course um, uh, South Pacific Power Trip tearing it up in in both. Uh, um, Europe and, and now the United States, and we'll talk about them a little bit later too. Jonah Rock coming over for, for Bola. I mean, it's just a region that has a lot more talent than people think, uh, a lot of burgeoning young talent that's breaking through in, in, in the major promotions too. I mean, we're talking WWE and New Japan here. And, uh, you know, if you're looking at that scene, it's just, it reminds me of the UK scene 
several years ago when that was about to burst and you knew it was going to happen. And you had all these great talents that, uh, that were starting to make names for themselves. You, you kind of have the same feel with this region. And that's why I've been banging that drum. And I think, uh, some, some finally some shots were fired from down there that the entire world heard over this last week when Will Ospreay went down. He worked three shows in total. He worked a show in New Zealand and then he worked two shows in Australia. And the two shows in Australia is where he really made some noise. He worked at uh, a, a, the uh, PWA show, which uh, is run by the Eagles family, um, uh, Ryan Eagles, who is married to Madison Eagles. And uh, their brother is Robbie Eagle. Uh, I'm saying Eagle. Is it Eagles? Or, yeah, Eagles. It's right? Eagles. Madison it's Eagles. Yeah, it's plural. Uh, yeah, Robbie Eagles uh, was the champion down there. It's it's the promotions owned by the uh, husband and wife tandem. Madison Eagles, of course, uh, you know, uh, a very prominent female wrestler on the scene for many years. Um, so that's their promotion PWA and, 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 uh, Osprey worked a match there against Robbie Eagles. He worked a, a main event match against him. We'll get to that match in a minute, but, uh, also on this brief little three show tour that he did, uh, he worked for the biggest promotion in, in Australia, which is uh Melbourne, uh, MCW, uh, which yeah, is championship. I was Melbourne championship wrestling. Yeah. 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 And, uh, obviously based out of Melbourne in Australia and he won their, uh, uh, inter-commonwealth title, which is their second biggest title. Uh, he beat Adam Brooks for that. That match was said to be over four stars. This was their ballroom brawl show. It drew 600 fans. Jonah rock, uh, won their, uh, world title, uh, back on that show from Mr. Juicy rich, Mr. Juicy, of course, who once Vince McMahon takes a look at him, he's going to be Mr. Uh, performance center. <laughs> I can promise you that. Uh, once Mr. Juicy gets off the juice or uh, potentially or whatever, he's a big dude. Uh, but Mr. Juicy, uh, he had defeated TK Cooper for that title a couple months ago. Uh, and uh, uh, Jonah Rock. Now, I think to me, I think MCW is very smart. This was some great booking uh, by them on this show. You know, Jonah Rock's going to Bola. He's going to make a name for himself, potentially in Los Angeles and uh, make a worldwide name for himself. Why not put your title back on that guy? I mean, you know, that's, you know, no, no offense to Mr. Juicy, but, uh, you know, Jonah Rock's about to make some waves. And then you have Will Ospreay come in. Why not put your other title on him? So now they've got two high profile champions. And uh, I think that was a, a great job out of them. Don't you? I mean, isn't that the smart thing to do? You got this big show here. One of your biggest shows of the year, this ballroom brawl. And, uh, you know, you put your big two, your two big singles titles on the two biggest stars that are working the show. So, yeah, no, it works. Uh, I mean, from a buzz standpoint, it absolutely. I mean, this week was, was and the it works. most, yeah, the most I've heard of that region um, uh, in, in quite a while was, was this week. I mean, we've been kind of being in the drum, but, but you saw it kind of trickling out on Twitter. You saw, I, I know on Reddit, that match was getting passed around. I mean, especially when you got Will Ospreay on there, I'm all in favor of that. We'll talk about when we talk about the match. But, yeah, if you get him to come in here, uh, I think it's well worth it to give him the title, and 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 we've seen that that, that goes as long as as indie wrestling has existed. Where you know if you got a big time guy who's coming in and and you can give him the title, and and they're willing to you know defend that title and and take the title and come back or whatever, you absolutely have to do it because the buzz that can come just from a guy that people have heard of winning a title in a in a region they've never heard of, you know the exploratory wrestlers are all or wrestling fans are always going to find that, and this was a great week for that too because they established hey Jonah Rock. People heard about him because of the Bola thing. Let's capitalize on that. And we have Will Ospreay. Let's capitalize on that. It's a monumental success, I thought, this past week or, or the last two weeks um, for what they've done. Great job out of them putting themselves on the map. And I'll tell you, just on our Twitter feed alone, people are asking, how can I watch MCW? And now yeah, people, yeah. people know that they have that uh, that streaming service. I think it's on, it's either on Vim, it's on Vimeo, I, I believe. I may be wrong about that. Uh, but, uh, but you know, people are asking about that. And they've probably made a little bit of money off of this now. I don't so. think Mr. Juicy is what you think Mr. Juicy is. Mr. Juicy's a uh, a pretty big guy. 
Uh, eh, he's big, but not because of the juice. I don't he's not muscular. Uh, not really. No, he's kind of fat. He's kind of like a comedy guy too. I'm him. watching a. I'm watching a match here a little bit too. He's. he's well, yeah, he's uh, he's like a. Kind of a barrel-chested dude, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's got a barrel stomach too. I think I don't. I don't know that he's uh, he's quite. I, I see what you mean. He's kind of, but he looks similar to uh, whatever the heavy, the weird heavy machinery guy, the weirder heavy machinery guy. Otis. Otis. Yes, Otis. Yeah, I don't know, Mister Juicy's quite. I don't know if that's going to make McMahon blush like he would normally, but maybe I don't know. How tall okay. is he? Uh, I can. Uh, I don't see. Damn it. I thought I... Nah, I don't have anything. I'll see if Cage Man's got it. Let's see, uh, Carry on. Let's see how tall Mr. Juicy is. Mr. Juicy see. is. Yeah, because tall is, is, is a prerequisite, too. Ah, uh, no Cage Man's from Mr. Six Juicy. foot. I don't... Yeah, I don't think Mr. Juicy's getting higher. I think Mr. Juicy follows us on Twitter. Does he really? I, I think so. Oh, he does. Yeah. Oh, he slimmed does. down. Okay, he slimmed down since the pictures I've seen. Yeah, I don't know. He did have a trial in December. I remember that. I remember Mr. Juicy being one of the guys. Oh, okay. He's, he slimmed a little bit. Okay. I don't know. I'm telling you, Mr. Juicy's got a decent look. I don't know what pictures you're looking at, but he's kind of uh, a barrel chest. No, I think he's, yeah, it looks like he's kind of moved on from uh, that. No, the, the, if you look at Mr. Juicy on Google, you'll see what I'm talking about. The ones that they have on there are pretty bad, but it looks like he's starting. He's got a Rusev look to him now. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like that, yeah, you know, like yeah. like, a, like a carnival strongman sort of look. Yeah, he looked like that, but like kind of a fat before. But now he's kind of got it where the 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 chest is really sticking out, and he's good. Okay, yeah. Uh, so he's so he used to be like a uh, flabbier guy, is what you're uh, saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now I think he's uh, and he's using the hashtag forever bulking on his. Uh, well, there you <laughs> go. Account too. He also has all of his PWI rankings as well, and he does indeed follow us, Mister Underscore Juicy One. So hello, Mister Juicy Underscore One. He may be listening. Yeah, he so, might. So, yeah. So that was the uh, MCW show. Big show for them. I think it created uh, some buzz for them. Uh, maybe the most buzz they've ever had, honestly, outside of Australia. But the next night, Will Ospreay had that match against Robbie Eagles back in uh, uh, PWA. And that is the match that I watched. Did you watch it, Rich? I did, yes. Okay, so... I watched this match and really I had never seen Robbie Eagles before. So I wanted to focus on Robbie Eagles and see what he brought to the table. I know this guy has uh, been around for a while. I knew he was a veteran. I knew his family connections and all those sorts of things. Uh, But I'm watching this match. And what really struck me about it is I was expecting to see, you know, the Willow spray house match, you know, he's going to a foreign country, I expect them to go out there and 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 have the you, you know what I mean when I say the yeah kind of fuck around like Will Ospreay is one guy that can kind of just jack around like he'll do a few little funny flips there or whatever but he there's a way where yeah you can tell when Will Ospreay is you can tell when you're getting effort Will Ospreay and when you're getting Will Ospreay international superstar who gets X amount for bookings and can kind of just jack around Will Ospreay he he could have easily gotten away with having his usual 13 minute uh, Will Ospreay match and doing all of his Will Ospreay spots and all those sorts of things Rich. I was blown away by this match and I have no idea what you think of it. So I'll go first here and then you could either counter me or agree with me. I was blown away by this match and blown away by his performance. Uh, he worked this match um, uh, like he was the biggest star in the world coming in to put over the local guy and get the local guy over. Um, he, he, he worked it like he, 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 he had a, an edge, a cocky edge to him. Like he was above Robbie Eagles. Uh, like like Robbie Eagles didn't belong in the ring with him. 
and then Robbie, and then he worked 50-50 with him all the way. Uh, uh, very much a New Japan style match, I would say. He even had a nice one count kick out at the end. There, oh, I knew, I knew that was going to pop you. <laughs> I was I watching. Just, I was like, it, well, somewhere Rich, in this universe, Joe was watching and just got up on his den and his pacing. So it didn't just pop me; it popped the shit out of that mm-hmm, crowd. Mm-hmm. And when Will went for the uh, what does he call his uh, the os cutter, the os cutter, the os cutter, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he went for that first os cutter, and Eagles caught him up on his shoulders, and the crowd exploded for that spot as well. I mean, this was a brilliantly worked match by Will Ospreay because he came in and easily could have eaten this kid up. I call him a kid. I don't even know how old he is. I just don't know who he He could have easily eaten this guy up, uh, worked a Will Ospreay. Uh, I think he's 27, so he's he's not I think he's got super some old. But yeah, yeah. but I mean, compared to Ospreay, he's, he's a little older, but yeah. And he could he could have, yeah, he's older than Ospreay, and I'm saying he could have ate the kid up. <laughs> he could have ate this kid up, worked his 13-minute match, you know, uh, just just you know, took seventy percent of it. Um, you know, you uh, got huge pops for his use, but he didn't work it that way. He worked it like he was coming in, uh, like he didn't respect this guy. Then he worked fifty fifty with him, and they peaked this match just at the right times. They ended up working a uh, a tremendous uh, world title style match, um, and 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 I think that the closing stretch was phenomenal. They peaked both of those spots that we talked about perfectly. They had the crowd in the palm of their hands. These people wanted Robbie Eagles to beat Will Ospreay so badly, and then uh, Ospreay wins the match in the end, wins the title. And it's not as if the fans were disappointed that Ospreay won. I think uh, I think that they they saw their local champion as the underdog, and they were smart to work the match in that manner. You know, and then, uh, of course, Will cuts the promo after the match that I think uh, a lot of people have seen where he announced that he was uh, uh, looking to move to Australia full time. Now, here's the thing about that. Well, you know what? Tell me what you thought of the match and then we can talk about the promo. I think what's an important thing for the people are going to kind of jump in now, and I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be talking about this. And, and you can, it's it's on YouTube as well. Just look at Will Ospreay, Robbie Eagles. And yeah, the match is for free. Fight. I should have mentioned that. It's for free. Yeah, yeah, go watch it. Go watch it right now. <laughs> and I think that's very smart by PWA putting that match up for free. Absolutely, 100%. And I, and I think uh, MCW should put up the Ospreay match as well, but I don't think they're going to do it. They should. I, one of the things, and, and that's exactly why I brought up the point about it being free on YouTube, one of the, one of the things and the visions that I had when I was watching this match was and I'm sure you remember this as well, was that Prince Devitt, Zack Sabre Jr. from Progress, I believe it was 13. That Progress, I think something happened with their hard cam, and they were like, ah, fuck it, we're just going to put the show up for free on YouTube. And that was everyone's entrance into Progress. That I remember just spreading like wildfire, and people were like, oh my God, what is this? This is It It, it feels different. The crowd's into it. The crowd's, and it felt like a new thing. It felt like a, something that you were getting it on the ground floor of. And it, it, it was a cool moment. I mean, it shows you how powerful it is to just sometimes, it, it, sometimes to bite the bolt and release something for free. Uh, how powerful that can be. So I had visions of that a lot. And the matches are kind of worked in a similar way too, because you have a hot crowd who, who's, who's really invested in, in, in one of the guys. You have another guy who's not necessarily like an everyday dude there. So a lot of stuff. But I, I think for people that are going to watch that match, the, the Will Ospreay Robbie Eagles, one thing to keep in mind as well, and I had to do a little background as well and, and, and look it up, is that uh, Robbie Eagles is in the mid, was in the midst of a one-year title reign as well. That guy was the dominant champion of that company, of that brand. He was the champion there. So coming in with, with that in mind, because a part of me was like, ah, you know, I think Osprey's giving this guy a little too much. Like, it kind of seems like too much of a showcase match. And then I go and look it up and I go, okay, well, Robbie Eagles has been champion for quite a while. Like, this is a big deal for 
Robbie Eagles. Robbie Eagles is defending a title that he's held for an entire year against this outsider, this outsider star or whatever. So yeah, it kind of makes sense then that that Robbie Eagles would bring everything he could possibly do. And I was I was super enthused that, that he was doing that too because I was going in exactly like you thought. I thought it'd be Osprey kind of having his little showcase match, just kind of kicking around this Robbie Eagles guy, saying, "Hey, I'm in Australia, whatever, haha, yeah, you have sold some tickets, okay, I'm out." But it was definitely worked like like you said, Will Osprey was coming in as the challenger. Yes, he's a star. But this is this guy's house. This is Robbie Eagle's house. And you and if you're in my house, you know, I have this crowd behind me and, and I'm gonna show you why I've been the champion for a year. You're the outsider, you're the guy that's been in New Japan, and you're you know, the, the jet set or whatever. Well, I own this company, and, and it was worked that way too. It was worked in a sense where where Osprey maybe caught was caught off guard by how good this guy was and how great the crowd was and, and how behind the crowd was of Robbie Eagles or whatever. You had a few Osprey chants here and there, but the crowd of themselves were like, No, 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 they they drowned it out every single time and went for Eagles. And yeah, part of me was was surprised that Eagles got as much offense but as it started going on i'm like all right cool i'm invested in the story now invested in in knowing that this guy is gonna die (laughs) before he gives up that title uh to osprey and that was a really cool moment like you said the kick out at one was a perfect thing of like no 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 i'm not coming out like a chump and and osprey hits that os cutter and people are stunned they're shocked it was a weird thing where they're happy that will osprey won but they're also stunned because rabbi eagles have been such a dominant champion for them so i thought you couldn't have played it any better you couldn't have booked it any better i don't think you could have structured the match any better as well i mean rabbi eagles looked like a million bucks he's a guy that i've never seen before that i now want to see will osprey worked his ass off and and worked you know one of the better matches i've seen of of will osprey this entire year and 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 probably better than most stuff he's done in in new japan this year because new japan just doesn't give him the opportunity to work matches like this and you got exposure you made it for free you let people see this moment and you had a guy who people are familiar with so they can kind of have an entry point and then they saw a guy that they might like and they got to see a story and now they can kind of jump in at this point too and i think that's an important part too is that it's not like osprey just lost and it's like yeah whatever okay you know this guy has a reign and he moves on and osprey leaves or whatever but now you have a real entry point where you can say okay cool i can start following you know pwa now I can start following this Osprey title reign and see what happens and, and see who he defends it against and, and the other guys that he challenges against, too. I thought just the, the rollout and everything that they've done has been exactly how I would do it. It's perfect from, from the match structure to the booking of Osprey to, to, to everything that they've done is just absolutely perfect. And it's a match you absolutely should go watch. Uh, I've seen people say that it's a, it's a, it's a low-key match of the year contender, and I, I, I'm not going to doubt that as well. I probably had it about four and a half. Like it, it is that good and that surprising as well, considering I don't know much about Robbie Eagles, but you buy into the story pretty quickly. As oh, well. if, instantly. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Robbie Eagles now. I went four and a half as well. Uh, there was one moment where they went into the crowd and it's pitch black and you can't see anything just because it was – look, the production's behind, let's be honest. It's not – it wasn't a fantastic – from a production standpoint, this is a small indie in Australia. You know, it wasn't uh, shitty. Though. You know, I, I think that's important though that there there the are lighting, much, the lighting was bad. The lighting was bad, but when they were in the ring, it was much less. Uh, there are many American indies that do far shittier than this. Oh oh oh! It was way ahead of yeah. most American indies. I'll tell you. Oh, so that's without, another like, another side. So American indies. It's not that hard to buy a fucking DS, a, a two DSLR cameras, and a guy who has a, a, a computer that can edit. Video. Yeah, I mean, I'm not getting all, all that again. American yeah. Indies are an embarrassment. But, but here, like, here's a, you know, an Australian company that gets it, that knows it, that knows what they're doing, has the rollout perfect, makes it look somewhat decent production-wise. So, I mean, lights are expensive. I get it that they can't do that, but they made sure that that what was in the ring and what was lit properly looked good and, and yeah. sounded good as well. No commentary. If they can't do good commentary, don't bother. Or if you can't get the, the mic to sound perfect, don't bother, whatever. Hey, you know but, what? Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't even notice there was no commentary. Nope. Didn't matter. It just shows. It just proves again I don't need it. 
I would rather have no commentary. Did you? You could tell the story without even Absolutely. without these guys screaming at what the story is. Or I don't need. I don't need two geeks screaming into a mic trying to get themselves over, which is all indie commentary is. Indie commentary stinks. And I, you know what? If this didn't have any commentary, and it was better off without it. This, this probably helps not having it. You know, it's uh, you know how often do you watch these indie matches? You wish you could turn the geeks off, but you, you know you can't. You're stuck with them. So yeah, good point, excellent point. Didn't even notice there was no. Oh, and there. you know what? Browsing Robbie Eagle's Facebook page, I found out that the zero one gym is, is the, the zero one gym has a lot of my company's uh, equipment in there. So there you go. We're training the future stars of zero one. Yeah. 2012. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> does he work? Does he work zero one? Uh there was a, there's an image of him with uh, who the hell is this guy? I don't. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, some pictures of him. I guess he did a shot in zero one. Yeah, I don't know who this is. I don't think he lists who it is. It's some. There, you can see zero one in the background, like the logo of zero one's in the background, and then all of our equipment's <laughs> there. But. Uh, I don't know who this is. He doesn't mention who it is. Neither. You know, he worked House of Glory. He worked House of Glory last year. Oh no, shit. Okay, one, one match. He worked. Uh, let's see. I didn't, I didn't know he. Uh, I was looking it up earlier. He looked at. He worked like a, a Young Lions Cup in like 2011 or some shit like that, which is probably Madison was working and he he came over for a yeah, vacation yeah. or something he, like that. But yeah, exactly. He worked a comedy match on a Hog Show last year. Okay. Um. So yeah, I guess he comes over occasionally with the sister-in-law um but yeah i don't see any zero one but uh but yeah regardless he he look i think he hung with osprey just fine um th- this guy's obviously a quality worker quality wrestler um excellent match i mean if rich has it at four and a half you can trust that it's four and a half um mm-hmm. you know sure. so you know <laughs> you, you, well actually if rich has it at four and a half it's probably a five-star match yeah so. some people are probably gonna i've seen people say that i mean there's people that like i said have said it's it's, it's a low-key match of the year and I, I i'm not gonna argue with them i think well, they're, they're... there was a listen there was a australian historian who told dave Meltzer it was the best match he saw in australia in 45 years yeah so, okay that's yeah, that's lofty and and listen that's obviously if this guy's been watching live wrestling for 45 years in australia he's not he's a he's an he's an older person who he or she is an older person who, uh, you know, isn't, this is a, obviously a newer style match is what I'm getting at, Rich. Yeah, this right, was- right. And, and that's a region too. I mean, like, like you're saying, he, since he's kind of an old head or whatever that he's seen, you know, there was a, that region used to be a pretty big deal. Like your Bruno Sammartino's and stuff would go because they paid really well. And I, Jim Barnett was running. This is the Barnett territory. And, yeah, and, exactly. and, and uh, New Zealand was uh, Ricard who ran. Yeah. The- so, so you had a lot of like big time guys in there. So if you're an old head that, that would say, oh no, it's, this new stuff sucks. I mean, it's for him to say that. It, 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 There's it, been good wrestling down there. I mean, they right. had a drought for in between. Right, but, but it's not like this is a region. It's not like that China where, like, you know, AR yeah. Fox doing, you know, a backflip was like the most incredible thing they've ever seen in their entire lives. Like, these guys have seen wrestling, but I mean, especially that guy, it's not like this is the, the first time he's ever seen a guy get in the ring and do anything, you know, remotely good or whatever. I mean, it, it's been a region. It's just had uh, a little bit of a, a, a down. Period, Again, but, yeah. perfect comparisons to the UK, you know, where they their their region had a down period for a while in between World of Sport and the, and the current scene that we're seeing. Uh, but a region that you know that clearly uh, you know has has always has a rich history of pro wrestling. Same here. You know those were very successful territories that ran in both of those countries uh, for many years. And then you know uh, it, it, it's just one of those things where you know WWF kind of snuffed everybody out, and it took a while for the region to get kickstarted again. And um, you know and and so so let's talk about Osprey's promo. Uh, did you watch the promo? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. 
see, to me, um, you know, here's the thing. Uh, he, he went down there to work these three shows with his girlfriend, uh, B Priestley, who, who has family in New Zealand. Okay. And spent some time apparently in her adolescent years in living in New Zealand. So it was sort of a vacation. It was a working vacation, essentially. Uh, from what I understand is why they went down there. And she worked at least one of the shows with him. I don't know if she worked all three shows. I'd have to look that up. But, um, you know, so it's the kind of situation where I don't know if he was just cutting a rah-rah promo to kind of rile the fans up and doesn't really intend to move. He told Dave Meltzer he intends to move there and and get residency. Um, Now, his reasoning is sound. I mean, if he wants to be closer to her family, it makes sense. If he feels like he's done all he could do in the UK for now and he wants to go to uncharted territory and be a tippy-top guy everywhere he goes again, it makes sense. If he wants to have a shorter flight to Japan for his New Japan tours, it makes sense. So there's a lot of reasons why you could see that he would want to move there, at least temporarily. He's got three very good reasons. Um, So, I mean, it is plausible. You know, I mean, it is pro wrestling and there is the possibility he was just cutting a a promo for a live crowd. But at the same time, Rich, I do see this as being not only a a plausible plan for him, but it's something that's realistic. But I think it's kind of smart, too, because very clearly he's going to be the top guy wherever he goes, you know, And, and 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 maybe even just from an ego standpoint, he could be the guy kind of responsible for taking this scene to the next level you know he was in on the ground floor of the uk's resurgence and now he kind and look he kind of did do all he could do there you know progress has downsized him over the last few uh i'm a few shows behind but even you know at the point that i'm at he's sort of been down you know uh, and some of the other promotions as well and you know so maybe he sees this as a chance to just freshen himself up and work on top in new places and work with new people and get new people over and 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 you know and be the man again right no, I, I think it's great. I mean, it, it, it's you first kind of hear it, and yeah, you think it's that Rob Ra thing or whatever, and then you look at it, and you look at a lot of the factors, and you you look at the background, and you look at the guy like Will Osprey is, and he's, he's a young dude, and and this could be a thing where he's like, hey, new uncharted territory, new place to live. You know, the girlfriend might want to be a little bit closer, but yeah, there, there's there's the idea that you know closer trips to Japan, so that maybe you know tips his hat that maybe he wants to resign with New Japan or whatever, which that would absolutely be true. You know, the Australia to Japan is a lot easier than uh, you know UK to to, to Japan. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not like he's not going to work for UK promotions ever again. Like he can work, you know, his handful of ones or whatever, but being a full-time guy in Australia in a, a region that, you know, is growing that new Japan knows is growing. We talked about it again. They, they've kind of sent people down there. He's seen, I mean, Osprey being in new Japan has seen some of those guys. He's seen the Hanaris. He's seen the bad luck follies. He's seen the Jay white. So he knows that that region's, you know, growing a little bit. He, you know, yeah. I mean, he could be, I, and I think he's smart enough to know that, that maybe, you know, hanging around Kenny Omega too in New Japan might be a, an indication too that sometimes it's cool to be kind of that trendsetter, to be one of the first guys in a region and one of the stars of an area or whatever. And yeah, maybe he's looking at that and going, "Hey, look, I can I can do some big things here. I can be a legend in this area if I just stick around it." I mean, hell, he had one match already in the area, and already people are buzzing about it. Uh, what's to say if he starts, you know, working there full time and and starts really drawing people in and really getting the 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 the, uh, the buzz growing? I mean, yeah, he absolutely. Um, it's not totally implausible. I mean, it's not like a guy who, you know, and, and we, we talked about this last for a lot of times too. He's not at the age yet where, you know, he's got kids to feed, that he's got a house to pay for and all that sort of stuff. He can have a little bit of fun. And you know what? Hey, that'd be fun for a few years to go to Australia and see what the hell you can do. Maybe you build up a region. Maybe, maybe you get a region going. 
Uh, yeah, but no, I, I agree with him that, that UK really doesn't necessarily need him anymore. They got a nice little group of people. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. A lot of the factors are there, so I don't know. It's it's it seems implausible at first, but the more you kind of break it down, well, yeah, it's, you look it's, at you look yeah. at the reasoning in it, and there's a lot of things about it that make sense. B Priestley, by the way, did work all three shows as well. Okay, all right, so there so you go. they went down there on a working vacation, and 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 you know, uh, you know, you see wrestlers do that a lot. Um, in the old days, they would do that in Hawaii. You know, you know, Meltzer always talks about that. You know, they would take those Hawaiian dates and they would bring their families, you know, and they would work while they were out there. Yeah, I, I just thought the promo, and if you hear it too, for people that do watch it, it, there was a little bit more passion there than just the usual, you know, I love working in, you know. It wasn't, the Drew, city, it wasn't like, the, the Drew Galloway wherever. Yeah, you know, oh, my favorite place to work in is Evolve, and I love being here in Queens, New York at Laboom or whatever. Like, you are the best fans in wrestling. It wasn't that. It was There's like, no place I'd rather be than Evolve Wrestling. And then he, <laughs> then he TNA and NXT and every he cuts the same promo wherever he goes. Like, he cut that in Chicago too. The you fans are the greatest fans in wrestling. And we're like, yeah, that's us, AEW. Woo. And then yeah, the, another night later he's you know, working in Joppa, Maryland and saying the same exact thing. So right. So it, it, it's it's like you always have to be wary, but uh, you know, it didn't it, feel like that. It didn't sound like he he didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? Like, don't say that. I mean, he's he's kind of he can kind of be an idiot sometimes, and he's a young little kid. You know, he's a little young whippersnapper or whatever. So you know, he says some stupid things a lot, but uh, I don't know. There was a, a passion there that, uh, and then you you kind of put some of the two and two together. You look at it, go, yeah, if, he's, if you're going to stick with New Japan, I mean, that's a hell of a better idea to 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 base there. And and I don't know, maybe he sees the potential there. And and you know, if you can make comparable money. Or if you don't care about the money that much and you just want to kind of have fun and, and, and see what you can do, why not? I mean, go for it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Maybe he sees the potential like we see the potential and other people see the potential down. New Japan clearly sees the potential. And maybe he's, he's saying to himself, shit, you know, if I get in on the ground floor and we move there, I could be the top guy and I could be making top money down there for the next two or three years while flying in between flying to New Japan to work for those guys. So I could totally see his reasoning, you know, and it's it's. Yeah. Well, and, and again, the New Japan connection, I think, is important to mention as well, because that might be a thing where, you know, he senses that there's a little bit more going on there. They're doing a little bit more there. Maybe it's a thing where he kind of sticks his neck out and is like, hey, I'll be the man for this region if you want. You know, right. someone how Omega's sort of taking the mantle as, as the, the New Japan U.S. guy. I mean, if, if Kanani wants to expand, I mean, get your head out there and be like, yeah, I'll be the man for this area. I mean, that, that's not the worst idea. And we've had people tell us uh, that the match he had in MCW against uh, Adam Brooks was better than the Robbie Eagles match. So, um, you know, obviously he had a tremendous match against Brooks uh, on the MCW show. So uh, that obviously is going to be available on their streaming service. If I were to listen, especially after seeing the publicity that PWA got, I think Melbourne City Wrestling would be nuts not to put that match out for free. And and I think, you know, you made a great point with that progress match, that 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 Devitt match that they put out. You're right. That was the entry point for that was my entry point. I'll be going, you know, you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. well, you know, how can how can they not how can they how can they not do this? I mean, they they'd be nuts if they don't if they don't put this Brooks match out there. Uh, I mean, shit. Put the Jonah Rock title win out there too if it was decent. You know, if the match stunk, maybe you don't want to do that. But, uh, you know, just just do it. You know, it's a short-term loss for a long-term game. You know, you got to think about the long game. And um, especially, you know, what they see the attention is Robbie Eagles match got. So um, a very successful, uh, very, very uh, exciting week for that region. And, uh, of course, the Ryback went down there this week as well. <laughs> the big guy, the big guy 22. Yes, and he won a title for a small promotion called Rock and Roll Wrestling. Uh, he beat somebody called the Swagzilla, Sean Customs. <laughs> 
for the Rock and Roll Heavyweight Championship, we're told that this is a very small promotion that gets almost zero hype and that this Ryback win also got almost zero hype. So look at that. You know, Ryback, could, could, could his indie run have gone worse? I mean, I know it's a topic we wanted to talk about last week and we didn't have time for it. But now this guy goes down to Australia the same week that Will Ospreay does, and Will Ospreay totally <laughs> eats up all of the attention over the Ryback. And this was a guy that was on national television for, what, five years or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, it, it, you know it, it, in terms of indie wrestling, you know, he is just – he's not Will Ospreay. He just isn't. You know, and, and uh, you know, this got I, – I wouldn't have known about this if someone on our forum didn't post about it. I mean, would you did you even hear about it? I, oh, I, I heard nothing, nothing about it. About it. Yeah. I don't even think it's on um, – if I remember correctly, I was, I was looking at Cage Match to kind of make fun of his indie run. I don't even think it's on there yet. Like, I don't think they've even updated that yet. I mean, it's it's, it's so far out of the, the, the sphere of, of wrestling that, yeah, it, it wasn't even put on there. I mean, it, it's – looking at his indie run is just incredible. And, and we're going to do it one of these times. One of these episodes we're not going to have a lot to, to talk about because I do want to talk about a few of these guys. I think it's it's been a very interesting um, – post WWE run for a few guys uh, and he's one of the first ones that I look at and it's just like dude what are you doing just yeah. nothing nothing like the, the 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 top guy he's faced his entire run on the indies I'm trying to look here at the top I'm trying to look at I don't even know who half these promotions are to be honest I mean you got BTW in California you got Russell Pro and obviously um last Russell Pro when he worked was uh, uh the Orlando show have they run since then or no yeah, they've run. I oh, okay, so I'm working there. So, yeah. as far as I know, I don't know if they're just not updating the results here on Cage Match, but uh, you got IWC in uh, Meadville, Pennsylvania, team with Andrew Palace. Uh, NEW has got two shots there. He's got MCW in Hollywood, Maryland. What are these? <laughs> what, what are you doing? These are, you know, people in England, like not even the top England ones. He's in PCW, which is well, PCW is the one that books all the big names. Right, exactly. Yeah. The Northeast wrestling of, of Lionheart. So I wonder if the guy who hated you for getting. Well, not him. All his fans wanted to. Kill no, him. I know. I know Lionheart doesn't hate you, but I wonder if they. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> so for for four FW, which is uh, in England as well, you, you know, four FW, right? You're correct with them. Yeah. We have are familiar with them. Uh, they had the Feed Me More Christmas Mega Show. It was the big guy versus Saul Adams. Remember that one? Don't recall it, Rich. No. Can't say <laughs> I recall that one. Saul MCW, Adams. MCW, the, the Hellcats, Jimmy Stars, and Sexy Steve. Ryback and the Bruiser defeated Andy Weinberg, Jeremiah Ryo, and Sean Studd. MCW Winter Blast 2017. Yeah, I mean, the, these, <laughs> these promotions have to be losing money on booking this guy. Oh, God, yes, yeah. I mean, in the beginning, wasn't he asking? Just for have five him walk grand? in the door. Yeah, just have him walk in the door. And I he doubt. Asking, I mean, he was asking for five grand in the beginning, wasn't he? Yeah, I bet he still is. Why nobody's booking him? Do you think this poor Australian promotion paid him five grand and a plane ticket to Australia to come there and win their title and in and front then, of what had to be about a hundred people? Yeah, and then get completely outclassed, buzzwise by Lost Ray. Right. Oh, the big guy. The big guy. All right. Anything else on the big guy before we move on to? Uh, some other things. No, I think uh, I, I, I was finally happy to talk some Australian yeah, wrestling. No, we're going to start doing that a little bit more, I think. So, uh, I have to, hey, listen, if if you know they they keep doing buzzworthy things, I'm going to check out their streaming service at some point when I get some time. After this G1, I'm finally going to have some time to. Yeah, it's going to be a relief, and I wrote that in my uh, my my column today about the G1 and predictions and and, and final scenarios or whatever. It's like, yeah, it, it kind of sucks to need like a break from great wrestling, but sometimes it's like I really just want to watch some other stuff. Like I don't really 
like and people could say oh whatever okay but like after like four hours of watching g1 or whatever you watch it like every day i don't really want to watch wrestling again you know i like it's I, the last thing i want to do is watch wrestling again that day i understand like i just want to but now when i then i can now sample just this match and this match and that match or whatever but when it's like guaranteed every day five matches at minimum it, it, it's a grind and it gets a little and we got to be on top of it and it's like i'll watch i'll catch up on g1 and then you know I'll, i'm like five chapters behind on progress yeah oh i haven't seen an and- nxt show in like four weeks i mean i don't know what the hell's going on in nxt yeah and i'll um, put my you know i'll go to demand progress or whatever and put my finger on the button on the next show and i'm like i can't fucking do it i'm burnt out right now yeah. you know i just watched two g1 shows and you know it's 3 30 in the morning and i i really want to catch up on other wrestling and it's just you, you can't do it so i can't it's like i love it but i can't wait for it to end i i need to catch up on progress i yeah, want to get into that dragon gates as uh, the survival league a little uh unit survival league thing going on right now that's pretty cool so yeah and i want to watch some of this australian stuff and i you know and i there's just there's other wrestling that i'd like to watch but it's just the g1 just eats all of your fucking yeah, and, and it like it, it drains you too because it's so good and it's so emotional and all that that like you don't really want to watch something that's going to be bad you, you know because people say that like oh well yeah whatever just watch it but it's like if i just watch some of the great i just watched three amazing matches the last thing i want to do is like sample a show that's like not you know you know hey that might be good or not let me just see let me kind of thumb around let me just it's like you're just drained afterwards after yeah. those ones. You just don't want to do anything anymore. But uh, let's talk. So we talked about the, the big guy and how he uh, is drawing uh, around the country, around the world or whatever. Let's talk about a guy that is a confirmed draw. And the worker of all workers, giving Double J a run for his money, Atushi Onita. Atushi Onita, yeah. I mean, he... Uh... <laughs> Look, I don't We're know... I'm not a goddamn worker, man. He had a weekend of the all... If we have, like, the Worker Hall of Fame... He is getting a plaque. I mean, not that he, 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 he would have already had a plaque, but he gets like a special wing for this weekend. I mean, I don't know what version of the story you want to believe where he wanted more money to do his singles and they knew they weren't going to give it to him. And CZW was aware they were, it was going to be a six man all along or whether you think that they didn't, or he worked them and decided to bring his pals and work. Si- I don't know what version of the story you want to believe. And, and, you know, Tremont, you know, checked himself out of the hospital. Maybe he couldn't work. A, something tells me he would have worked the singles match if, if, if Onita wanted to work the singles match, though. I mean, that guy's nuts. So, I, look, I don't know what version of the story you want to believe. All I know is CZW's biggest possible match that they could ever make in their lives is now going to happen in Japan. And and Onita is going to make all the money off it. So <laughs> he's going to get Tremont over there to Japan, and they're going to do the singles match there, the exploding uh, gimmick. And uh, yeah, so you've got some Onita quotes. Yeah. From, so uh, well, a little bit of background for people that don't know exactly what we're talking about. Onita, uh, obviously the famed uh, you know deathmatch wrestler. He uh, he did his first match in the U.S. in more than thirty years. Uh, this was August fifth in uh, Voorhees, New Jersey, for uh, CZW. Uh, they drew a crowd of more than one thousand fans. It was a big, the best crowd in CZW in a long time. Uh, not a sellout, though. Should be not a sellout, but uh, David did say the biggest gates uh, in company yeah. history as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, definitely a success for sure. Yeah, and, and promoted as Matt Tremont versus Onita. It's a once in a lifetime was the name of the event. There was t shirts you could buy that said Tremont versus Onita. Uh, every show poster said Tremont versus Onita. Like that was the, the goal was Tremont versus Onita. Well, people get there and it's not. And we kind of heard rumblings a few days prior. Uh, 
you know, we had some people with some some inside sources say, hey, it's going to be turned to a six-man. Uh, again, nobody quite knew what the exact reason was. One person said it was because of Tremont's, uh, you know, medical, because, you know, he was in the hospital for, I think, what was it, a staph infection, they said. Uh, there was another group of people that said, it was, oh, well, Nita got there and said, no, 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 I want more money if I'm going to do a singles match. Whatever story you believe, we'll, we'll just go with kind of the facts that we know right now. Uh, when Nita got there, uh, the match got changed from a singles match to a six-man uh, so it was Anita and a few other uh, uh, F, uh, FMW stars uh, against Trey Mott and a group, uh, Team CZW. Uh, what's interesting, though, is Onita is bringing Trey Mott to Japan in October to do a singles match. Uh, so the idea is that maybe Onita didn't want him to lose here and he's trying to book it, whatever. All that matters, though, is that we got some sweet, hot, literal hot Onita tweets here that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about, some quotes here. From yeah, my- he, stole, he stole the fucking match. <laughs> Right. Didn't, he, they, yeah. they used CZW to heat it up. You know what right. I mean? And and he stole the singles match is what it looks it's, like to me. It was, uh, I believe it was Hosaka and Yaguchi, uh, Hideki Hosaka and um, um, Raijin Yaguchi, I believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those were the boys, his boys he brought over, uh, his FMW cronies that he brought over. Um, and it's, and I don't know who the, I guess you have it on the run sheet with the CZW. Yeah, it was were. Danny Havoc. Uh, and it was one of them, uh, Ricky Shane page. So it was Tremont, Ricky Shane page and Danny having that's team CZW versus, uh, Osaka Yaguchi. And, and so, so that's the other thing. He got paydays for his boys. He brings his boys over. Right. And, and he gets them in the match. He gets them paydays. Uh, then I heard various stories like Onita, like you're going to read the quotes. He claimed he was signing autographs for free. There's other people who say, and he was charging 70 bucks for autographs. Okay, so then he steals the singles match, and he's going to do it in Japan and make all the money off it. I mean, this is an amazing turn of events for O'Neal. Yeah, and he is a grimy-ass worker, too. Like The idea that you could just book him and everything was going to go well was a lot of people kind of frowned on that. Said, no, yeah, but, but, but here's the thing. You're also dealing with CZW. Which, yeah, so it's like two scuzzy promotions and two scuzzy people working with each other. So, so who's screwing who here? I mean, you know, it's, it's like you're not going to outwork Onita. I right. Mean, so go ahead. What what are the quotes? Here? So so here just some stuff. This is one more report here from uh, from Dave uh, regarding the show. Uh, Dave Meltzer. So the crowd wasn't happy with the turn of events of a singles match turned into a six man. Onita at the end talked about how the explosives were cheap, and he'd show everybody a real explosive death match with Tremont in Japan. There you go. So this shit sucks. I'm gonna work with this guy in Japan. Uh, anyway, so here are his tweets from at Onita Fire One Two Three, which is an incredible incredible username. Ronita, uh, it says thank thank you so much, American fan, uh, American fans in CCW. You welcomed me warmly. In spite of all staff efforts, American Fire Laws was like cliff wall. That was the maximum we could. I really wanted American fans felt my explosion match. It was difficult. I regretted a lot. Although I wrote about five hundred autographs before the match, I did it not pay. Do you understand why I did? It's for you, Tremont. At Tremont CCW right here, CCW owes me. So they won't refuse to make CZW, Tremont CZW, come to Japan. It means American fans paid for your flight ticket and for your dream. I think my fans made an investment in the future deathmatch legend, you, Tremont CZW. Come to Japan in October. Feel my explosion ring. There you go. Feel my explosion ring, baby. And you, and you know, Tremont's going to go over there. Hell yeah. So said, I think he tweeted out like minutes later, like, ah, the dream. I've loved it. Like, so yeah, it, it's. So CZW doesn't get the match. Onita gets the match. Yes. And Onita kind of he- bent them over a barrel. Whether I don't know if he's true about he not getting paid for the autographs or whatever, I I, I doubt that. But I'm yeah. sure he signed a few for free. Yeah, and the idea that hey, well you're not going to not let and Tremont, who's who's an embedded CCW guy, Onita's going to get it in his head. Hey, come to Japan, work a match with me. You think Tremont's not going to? So then I oh, so, what, 
So what, what, what the cycle events that I kind of see happening is probably Onita thought, hey, look, I'm going to save the singles match to come to Japan. This is a pretty big deal. This is cool. It's obviously buying tickets and selling tickets is a big deal. So he gets there and he, he kind of puts it in Tremont's head or whatever. Hey, you know, come to Japan, do this, and then goes to CGW and goes, no, I want, I want, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin the singles match yet. Let's do it something else. Let's do six man or whatever. The rumor all along was he wanted more money for the singles match, and the rumor all along was CZW didn't want to give it to him, and they knew it was going to be switched to a six man, but didn't tell the public. Right. That's the rumor. If that's the case, it's sleazy on CZW's part. Um, if Onita showed up with his boys and decided that he was going to, you know, because because look. If Onita shows up with his pals and says, look, I'm not working a singles. It's either a six man or I'm getting back on the plane. What's CZW supposed to do? Now they've got a serious problem. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, he's got them over the barrel too. And right. you, you use Tremont as leverage where Tremont's going to be like, ah, whatever, man, who cares? Like, cause he's got his dream match coming up where Onita says, Hey, you come Japan, <laughs> you know, you and I have a death match or whatever. Tremont now is probably going to get in the head too and say, no, 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 I, you know, it's fine. I'll do a six man. It's not a big deal. You know, cause he's not, he's going to vouch for whatever is going to work so that he can go to Japan and have his dream match against Onita. So that, that's a guy who you can use as leverage too. At the end of the day here, Onita stole the match. <laughs> exactly. Right. And he used CZW. To he's a fucking it. charmer. That's why he slept with what? Seven, 70,000 women or whatever he said. That's he right. With? A lot of respect for Onita-san <laughs> for that. Okay. You know, he's almost which, I think was, which would be like, I believe, because the Will Chamberlain, like 50,000 or whatever he said was already impossible. And I think Onita said he was double that, which I think he would I mean he slept with like eight different women every day for the last like 30 years. Now, but, hold on a second, Rich. Are you implying that that's not possible? No, I, I no, I'm implying with with this charmer. He walked into that fucking place, got his match, got his boys booked, got paid. Use one of these dudes, the CCW guys leverage or whatever. Like, no, that, that he can absolutely. And bet eight women in a day if that's the charmer they could be. And built the singles match back for his own promotion. Right. So no, I'm believing it now that he slept with eight separate women every single day. And listen, if you're gonna, if you're going to make boisterous claims and you, and you're Onita, you're not going to say you slept with less women than Will Chamberlain. I mean, you got to go. Oh, you no, got to. You got to go over to Will. You know. You know. Onita probably banged eight women like during the match, like during the crowd brawl. You know, he's, I think he would have to to keep the number up. He would have to. Got to keep that, the nice guy. He's got to bang women during the match. He has to. You know, you, you got to keep that number up. You can't take a day off. You know, you got to be like Darren Young, no days off. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna put up numbers like that, you know. But yeah, he he totally <laughs> he stole the fucking match. This guy is incredible. You know, no matter what happened here, he's getting the money match now. Right. You know, but I guess CZW, those people paid on the premise that they were seeing the money. Sure, and CZW is kind of a scummy organization. They don't really give a shit either. Yeah, fuck you. Well, it's a six man now. Who cares? <laughs> you know, you paid us already. Who gives a shit? Like that's so yeah, it, were... it's this, it's this weird situation where like if it was a promotion that had had built up a cachet as being super cool or what, and and that's not I'm not sledding CZW, but they've done a little. You know, they've done their scuzzy things in the past or whatever. So it's like this weird situation where it's just like scuzzy versus scuzzy. And it's just kind of funny more than anything. Like I would be pissed off if it was a company that I really enjoyed or a company that I knew had like good business practices and really did well to people and, and did that sort of stuff. But it's CCW, so it's like, ah, whatever. Like, Here's the thing. If they knew it was going to be a six-man ahead of time, you you agree that they were obligated to say something. And we, from, from somebody that I think we trust that has a pretty good source within CCW, said that they knew. And, th- and this guy told us, God, I'm going to say four days prior that this thing's going to be a six-man. Rich, there were rumors of this for weeks. Yeah, right. I was, well, this guy like flat out said, it's going to be a six-man. Here are the guys. And he had it exactly on point four yeah. or five days prior. So well, I, I was stunned, honestly, 
that people were surprised that the singles match didn't happen that night because I thought it was common knowledge that they were going to do a six man because that rumor had been going around for weeks. Yeah. So I, I mean, but if they knew, you, you, come on, that's a false average. You got to say something. You cannot, if you knew that, not announce that to the public. I mean, you have to. Um, and they didn't. So, you know, it's, it's, and, and since that rumor was floating around for so long and we had people like you said, who told us and who nailed the match and everything, um, it leads me to believe that Onita did tell them he wanted more money for the singles, probably knowing they weren't going to pay him, probably knowing that he can then do the match back in Japan. Sure. That's the way I see it playing. My instincts are telling me that, that Onita said, fuck this. I can get this match back home. I could do a program here. Yeah, maybe maybe they 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 got back to him and said, "Hey, tickets are doing well." Or, "Oh man, the things are going well," or whatever. And he goes, "Ding, okay, okay." Yeah. So he's probably thinking, "Now I can work a program. I go over there, right? Take my take my take it easy in a six man. Get my buddies paid. You quote them a ridiculous figure. I know they're not going to pay me, and then I can get this guy to come back to Japan. I can make more money off it. Right. And you're not going to tell me to get back on that plane and go away because then you're in real deep shit. If right. if Onita doesn't show up. No, and I, and I think, yeah. and look, I think he was going to show up either way and work the six man, you know? So he probably quoted some ridiculous well, I mean, if, figure. If CCW tells him to go fuck himself, then they're in real trouble. They're, they wouldn't oh, yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he knows that. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean he's going to work the six man. So, and he knows that. Yeah, you're right. Because they're not going to cancel the show. I mean, forget it. They're just going to misadvertise it and draw a thousand <laughs> people anyway to see a single match that didn't happen. Now I, we did hear conflicting reports that according to Meltzer, some people were upset when they found out it was a six man, but the night of the show, it seemed like nobody was upset that it was changed to a six man. Uh, all the live reports and the, and the, um, the, the, the reviews that I read of the show, it seemed like people didn't care and they were just popping for the idea of seeing Onita in any capacity. Right. I think most people that went there were just wanted to you know, either get a picture with him or just see him uh, in a U.S. ring for yeah. likely the last time. I mean, that, that, that that's the match itself. I thought was re- largely irrelevant, whether it was Tremont, you know, yeah, it sucks that they advertise it as such, but if I was a, a, a real big fan and I was going to that show, I just want to see Onita. I don't care what he does. I just want to see him come out. I just want to sing wild thing. And I want to watch him, you know, hit somebody with a barbed wire bat or something. Sure. That's all you're looking for. But I assume there were some people there who were looking forward to that singles match. Oh, no, I'm sure. Yeah, but for me, I don't give a shit about Montreal. And, and, you know, so for me, but, it's, I don't care. But No, but my, my point is there were probably fans there that deserved the opportunity to get a refund. Would they sure. have taken Oh, no, no. Yeah, no, definitely. Would they have taken them up on it? I don't know. Probably not. But even if there's only one or two people who were that annoyed by it, I think they deserve their money back. I mean, because they didn't get what was advertised. Um, and, 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 and it's not like this was the third prelim from the bottom. This was a... A dream match in that world. Yeah, selling T-shirts with that <laughs> with the match on it. So yeah, that's this is a death match, dream match, and I think in that case where it gets changed that dramatically, I think you do owe your fans the opportunity for a refund. Um, I remember back in the ECW arena days, Paul Heyman would offer refunds quite often um, because those cards would change a lot all the time. Whether Sabu would no show or because he was having one of his disputes with Heyman or whatever the case may be. I don't remember the specific instances, but I remember many times sitting in that building and Paul Heyman announcing, here's what's not happening. You have until the second match and I'll gladly give you your money back if you'd like to leave. He did that all the time. You know, it, it's, it's when it's something important like a Sabu or a main event being changed or a dream match being changed. I think you're obligated to offer it. And I don't think that that happened. And uh, I, I, this whole thing just smells sleazy to me. And this is why CZW just doesn't exist. You know, wrestling is so vast 
that sometimes there's just certain promotions and they just don't exist in your in your minds. You know what I mean? Like CZW is just so far off the radar for me. I operate as if they don't even exist. And it's because of shit like this. I just there's a smell of snake oil constantly surrounding this company. Um and people tell me that, you know, they've had a great year and there's great matches that happen there and things like that. I just I don't know. I just, it, it just, it's always, I never really have yeah, wanted like anything to, to do I with feel like them. Just even talking about them. And I feel like I need to shower. Like it's just always kind of, yeah, there's always just something going on with them. It's never just a, Hey, here's the show. It was good. Like there's always something. Yeah. Uh, so that's the Onita <laughs> thing. Let's, uh, let's stick with the Indies here. Cause there's a big weekend going on uh, evolve progress beyond a lot of guys doing joint shows and stuff. Let's kind of break it down here real quick for, for people that aren't aware uh, really good indie wrestling weekend. So you started out with uh, Evolve 90 is kicking off uh, August 11th. So, of course, we're recording this on Thursday. By the time most of you guys will listen, this will be uh, tonight or Friday night or whatever. Um, Evolve 90, of course, on Flow Slam. A pretty good card as well. You have Walter, Progress Atlas Championship. Walter defending his title against Fred Yehive. So Walter this, is a, this is a big weekend for Walter. Absolutely. This is a showcase weekend for sure. Yeah. And going into going into Bola in a few weeks, I mean, he's got Fred Yehi, he's got Matt Riddle on the Progress show proper, and then he's in a, uh, a the main event of Evolve 91. So it's a big, big weekend for Walter and a few other people as well. Yeah, as far as other Evolve 90 stuff, not a, a pretty decent card otherwise. You have Anthony Henry and James Drake, uh, the Evolve Tag Team Championships. They're defending against Tracy Williams and Rory Gulak. Henry and Drake were surprise winners of the title. Yes, in, in uh, North Carolina and in, in Charlotte. They, uh, they surprised the world and because they were guys that were kind of like, Evolve has been doing the thing where they go to cities and they use kind of local guys, regional guys or whatever, and usually those guys are just there to lose or or, or whatever. These guys pull off an upset win and, and, and get booked now in, in Joplin, yeah. Maryland as the tag team title. Enormous pop for that as well. Yeah, no, it was, it was a good moment too. It was really cool. And now uh, Rory, Rory Gulak getting booked now for Evolve too, which is interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Riddle versus Leo Rush. This is a non-title bonus main event uh, because this is Leo Rush's final uh, evolve shot. So the, stripping the non-title then now opens it up a little bit where maybe you have Leo Rush win in his final one or whatever, but you lose the title implication because if it's a title match, you know that Riddle's winning. So it's kind of cool that they made it non-title to sort of open that up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Riddle's probably winning anyway, but you're right. This at least plants a little bit of doubt. So mm-hmm. it, this is a Gabe move. This is a this is Gabe 101. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Keith Lee versus Timothy Thatcher, uh, Chris Dickinson and Jaka versus Ethan Page and ACH, Jason Kidd versus Austin Theory. I will ask you real quick before we move on to the other shows. Uh, have you checked out any of the Ethan Page ACH story in Evolve? Have you seen any of that yet? Uh, yeah, they're running those cool videos, man. And I yeah. know you're a big fan of them. So I know you wanted to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, no. So so they ran one about ACH. It was called, I forgot what it was, the greatest in the world or something like that. And, and essentially for people that aren't quite sure, the ACH that you know from Ring of Honor and you know from other places, the happy-go-lucky, I love everything, everything is good guy, uh, Evolve's doing a, a little bit different with him. He's kind of pissed off that he's not as big of a star as he is in Evolve. And I think it's a really cool story that they're doing. Like uh, him and Ethan Page, I think at Evolve 89, were in the second match on the show. They both thought it was stupid, so they just went out there and fucked around and didn't really care. And it was like a match that some people got upset about because it was sort of one of those, you know, it breaks the kayfabe or whatever, but it's guys that are legitimately, it, it, I liked it. It was kind of cool where these guys go, no, 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 I'm not going to even try. I don't give a shit. I'm not a second match wrestler. I'm better than that. And it sort of plays into what a lot of people have been saying about Ethan Page that, you know, Evolve hasn't booked him right. So he's one of the guys. And then you have ACH who, who comes into Evolve 
uh, comes in with a lot of fanfare, and he hasn't necessarily been booked in a top spot or whatever. So you have both these guys unifying in like a, hey, you know, we should be bigger stars. Why aren't you using us better? We're, you know, two of the greatest that, that are going right now, and you're not doing much with us. And it's cool. It's fun to see a different uh, an ACH with a different edge, and his matches have that as well. I know there was a match against Fred Yeh where he's kind of slapping him and kicking him or whatever. It's just cool because usually when you see ACH, it's, it's that same thing. It's the, you know, show off, you know, he's smiling, he's dancing, he's having fun or whatever. You know, he's kind of doing that, but he's doing it with a little bit more of a, a serious tone involved. And I think it's a really cool character. And I like what they're doing with him and, uh, and Ethan Page. So definitely a really good video on, on the Evolve channel. Look up ACH uh, Evolve, you know, greatest in the world or whatever. forgot exactly what the title is, but it's a really cool video to kind of give you an idea of what the story has been. But yeah, there's another part too where, you know, he was he was scheduled to be second on the show and he didn't even go out for his match. He, he came out later and said, yeah, I'll work, you know, fifth from the top. But I'm not, or you know, a fifth match after the, you know, but I'm not working the second match or whatever. So, so really cool stuff there. It's kind of this weird, you know, curtain breaking stuff or whatever. But I think they've done a really good job with it, and I've enjoyed the story so far. So he's sort of become an indie veteran now at this point. Yeah, yeah, and that's what he's kind of saying. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm a big deal. Why are you not treating me yeah. like I'm a big deal? You know, I've, yeah. been, I've been around for a long time here. I'm not doing second matches against you know prelim dudes. You know, he go, he, you know, he's supposed to face Austin Theory uh, and goes, I'm not facing Austin Theory. Who the hell is he? Like, I'm better than that. I'm ACH. Are you kidding? Like, right. So it's cool. It's a fun little story, and it's different than what you've gotten from ACH uh, for quite a while. So, yeah. Um, then the next night, now you have a double shot here in Queens, New York. So you have Evolve ninety one. They're kicking off at four p.m. Uh, they have a uh, fatal four way match uh, for the WWN titles. You got Matt Riddle uh, defending against Keith Lee, Trace Williams, and Walter. So again, Walter in another big spot. Uh, you got a Evolve Tag Team Championship match. You got uh, Fred Yeh, High and Jason Kidd Kane to challenge uh, against the uh, Austin Theory and. Um, uh, who's yeah? I'm blanking on the other guy's name right now because I don't know. James Drake, Austin Theory, and James Drake. So, uh, but they'll challenge whoever wins. Dave doesn't want to ever give up the result, but Freddie and Kincaid versus whoever remains champion. Uh, Chris Dickinson and Jocka versus Travis Banks and TK Cooper. I know you're pumped for that. Uh, Mark Haskins versus Austin Theory, Timothy Thatcher versus Darby Allen, and then Ethan Page versus ACH, which I'm sure will be another uh, match that doesn't quite work out nearly as well as they wanted to. But uh, yeah, pretty cool show there, uh, running up uh, as the the first part of the doubleheader with uh, with uh, progress. Uh, and then we move on to the progress show August twelfth uh, again. So this is all taking place on Saturday. Uh, really good card here too. You got Walter versus Matt Riddle for the Progress Atlas Championship. You got British Strong Style versus the South Pacific Power Trip. I know you're into that one. We'll talk about that here in a sec. Uh, Pete Dunn defending his WWE United King Kingdom Championship versus Jack Gallagher. So that's a pretty cool one there. Uh, Donovan Dijak versus Timothy Thatcher. Uh, Jimmy Havoc versus Joey Janela, which I'm way in on that. Jimmy Havoc versus Joey Janela sounds awesome. Uh, Ginny and Deanna Perrazzo versus Dahlia Black and Decado uh, Kai. Uh, Mark Haskins versus Zach Gibson versus Mark Andrews. That rounds out your progress show. But yeah, a few of the shows there, a few of the matches, I should say. Uh, Chris Dickinson and Jocker versus Travis Banks and TK Cooper at Evolve. And then I know the match that you're looking forward to, uh, British Strong Style versus South Pacific Power Trip on that progress show. Overall, that progress uh, New York show looks awesome. A lot of good stuff on that show. What do you think of that show overall, Joe? I think the Progress New York show is sort of a showcase for them, uh, mm. as well as being the next step and as sort of the next chapter show, quote unquote. But there's a lot of showcase stuff there for them too. WWE's throwing them a bone and sending Jack Gallagher to the show. Uh, British Strong Style versus South Pacific Power Trip. I think South Pacific Power Trip has been the best tag team in the world this year, and this is another chance for them to shine. Um, actually, all weekend long, actually, along with Walter, it's another big weekend to, to me for South Pacific Power Trip. They got two big tag team matches in the same day on the 12th, but particularly the one on the Progress show. Uh, Walter Matt Riddle has a chance to just be uh, incredible. Uh, Jack 
uh, wrapping things up. See, this is what I mean. They, they've sort of booked some people that maybe they wouldn't have normally booked. Um, uh, you know, it, it's sort of a showcase show for them in the sense that they'll they'll be working in front of uh, the, the new fans uh, against Thatcher. The winner then will obviously uh, number one contender for whoever wins the Walter Riddle uh, Progress Atlas uh, Championship match. Obviously, you would expect Dijak to lose that. Of course. So yeah. Thatcher in a different environment, but not in front of different fans. You know, Thatcher sort of is way more over in Europe than he is in the United States. And he'll be wrestling essentially in front of Evolve fans. So, you know, I'm sure progress will bring out some people that Evolve doesn't, but there's going to be a lot of crossover. So I'm interested to see if he gets booed out of the building on the progress show, which we know he will on the Evolve shows, or if he gets over on that. See, because it's going to be a lot of the same fans. That's interesting. Yeah, it's going to be what I'm really looking at too. And and just for people, I I mentioned this as well, but the Evolve 91, that's going on at 4 p.m. And then the progress is starting at 8. So these are the Evolve going first and then progress. What I'm curious about is progress is so much the crowd interaction, the crowd having fun, the crowd being loud, and the crowd being boisterous or whatever. Evolve is the opposite. (laughs) The fans are not boisterous. They're not loud. They don't prop up shows. The shows are propped up by the in-ring and and by the stories or whatever, but very rarely is the crowd really the best part of an Evolve show. I am very curious here. I know there are a lot of people that, that aren't normally going to Evolve shows that are coming to progress, that are doing this sort of thing. I am very curious to see what happens if 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 the progress the idea and the concept of being in a progress show and being in a European show and having fun at a wrestling show carries over to evolve or if the evolve let's not make any noise at all the entire night carries over to progress because that could be just the dichotomy could be really weird on both ends because they're two polar opposites in terms of how crowds react to what they normally see with those two uh, promotions. I know people going to progress that aren't going to evolve, but I also know people who are going to all of the shows. Yeah. So I, I think progress will outdraw them because of the, 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 um, you know, the novelty of progress. Yeah, running, I think the know. timing too. I mean, four o'clock on a Saturday is different than eight o'clock on a Saturday. You know, I'm going, I'm going to the eight o'clock, not at the four o'clock necessarily, but you know, I'm doing well, Yeah, actually. But yeah, you're right. The, you know, I think I, will the American progress crowd try to mimic the British progress crowd to give themselves sort of the authentic progress experience, right? They tried at WrestleMania weekend, but eh, I don't know. WrestleMania weekend's a funny thing. It's a lot of tired fans now who it are going to yeah, it was kinda, different it, shows, you know? Um, so yeah, Thatcher will be a good test case for that too, to see if it's a different kind of fan or if the fans are willing to cheer him in a different environment. Jimmy Havoc, Joey Janela. I mean, again, another example. <laughs> I mean, this could be, you know, somebody might die, you know, it's just a, it's a crazy, insane match with two crazy, insane men. Uh, just a, whoever came up with that idea, it's just brilliant, you know, and Rich, we knew coming off a, of Joey Janela's spring break that Janela was going to get booked everywhere. I mean, it was just, he, he made himself a star off of the back of that, you know, he got booked at the uh, Scenic City Invitational. He's work in progress. You see his name in places that you never would have seen. Uh, had so, a- pop quiz right now, real quick. What was the name of the promotion that ran his show? Well, I know because I'm from there. It's Game Changer Wrestling. Oh, but, if you, yeah. <laughs> if, but here's the thing. I, you know, that's because I'm connected to that scene. Right. You, half the people, you know, 90% of the people. It's Joey Janela show. The Joey Janela show. <laughs> right. Yeah, they, have, they, they still don't know what game. And we talked about that after the, after the fact, how Game Changer got nothing out of that. No rub. Janela got 100% of the rub from that show. 100%. Uh, you know, WWE, you know, we forgot to mention, it's not just Jack Gallagher, Dakota Kai, who, of course, the former Evie, who, of course, is from New Zealand, which we just talked about. Another one of these burgeoning stars from that part of the world. And uh, she was a um, May Young Classic participant, and she'll work this show. Very interesting tag match, teaming with Dahlia Black, 
who didn't get to work in Orlando because of the broken foot. She'll work this show in New York against Ginny and Deanna Perrazzo. Again, Deanna Perrazzo, Donovan Dijak, Joey Janela. These are indie wrestlers, American-based indie wrestlers being brought in for this progress show as part of their uh, – uh, showcase events here. Uh, Ginny and Dahlia Black, of course, regulars with progress. Uh, you really need to go back, Rich, and watch the March match between Ginny and uh, uh, Noel Nixon, which I believe was her final progress match. It was on the 319 show. I don't know what chapter that is, but it was on 319. That was a show where I gave one, two, three, four, five, six matches, four stars or better. And the Ginny Nixon uh, Noel's uh, match, I gave four stars. A seven minute sprint. Which was just, you just the the best seven minute sprint I've probably seen all year between. And, and really? between okay, the, that's cool. You, you, I like the Ginny character a lot. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Ginny character, so I'm I'm sure I would like it. So I'll check I it think out. that was Nixon's last. Pro- I'm not entirely positive on that. Um, and of course, she got hurt right before the May Young Classic, which was unfortunate. Uh, so she didn't participate in that. But it was kind of a. I th- I'm pretty sure that was her write off because uh, that was part of their. Uh, women's tournament, which I have not seen conclude yet because I'm so far behind on progress, which is why I'm not, I don't know if I want to watch this show um, in real time, or just, I'm probably going to hold off and not watch this New York show until I catch up. It doesn't make so we'll any talk sense. about it in December then. So <laughs> we'll talk about it in uh, our match of the year. When we conclude our match of the year, we'll, we'll discuss uh, this. Show then, so. Let me see if that was in fact her, uh, what I said, that was the 20th, the 19th. Uh, let me see. 319. Then I give you the, uh, it was chapter 45, by the way, galvanized that. Okay. To me, that's a show of the year contender. That, that along with a couple, uh, Dominion, Wrestle Kingdom, those are going to be my. Uh, I'm going to have to see which one of those I ultimately vote for show of the year. If, uh, if nothing else tops them, uh, yeah, that was the last uh, progress match for Nixon Newell. So that 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 was it for her. That was her write off. I'm giving away the finish, of course, but I think you could have <laughs> you could have figured it out based on where their careers have gone since. So, um, but yeah, uh, just an excellent match. The best Ginny match I've ever seen. By far, Nixon. She's just a great wrestler. She has great matches all the time. But but that to me, I was shocked at how how awesome Ginny was in that match. But yeah, so the, that tag match is very interesting with some interesting people in it. And then uh, Haskins Gibson is uh, Mark Haskins, Zach Gibson, and Mark Andrews. I could do without Zach Gibson. Not a fan of him. Um, I'd rather just be just be a straight up Mark Haskins versus Mark Andrews match. I'd be very thrilled about that. Uh, I have no use for Gibson. He's never done a thing for me. But um, you know, that looks like an excellent show, and I can't wait to watch it in December. So uh, looking forward to <laughs> right. it. Uh, so good stuff there with Devolve. And then it doesn't end there because you have Beyond Wrestling and Progress doing a double shot as well. Uh, this one, details are a little bit harder to find. This is Sunday, August 13th. Uh, of course, Beyond is kicking off at 1 p.m. Rich, you don't say that details are hard to find on an indie show. I swear to God, I tried for an hour and a half to figure out this show. I, what I is got- with these promotions? Where they, you know, it's like... Beyond may not even have a lineup for all I know. Yeah, I've, all I know is they have Donovan Jack versus Walter, and that's all I could find. After an hour and a half, I found Donovan Jack versus Walter. So I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, not just to pick on them, if you go to the Progress website right now, they don't have their lineup for New York anywhere on their website. It's it's amazing to me. You could buy tickets, but is there a card anywhere? Nope. I think they did just put the card. We talked about this a little bit last week. The card is up there for the New York show. This they show finally put it up. They put it up, okay. yes. On the ticket fly or whatever, whatever their ticket service was, it, when you go to the, buy a ticket, it then says in the description it has the card. That's the only place you can find it. Though. I couldn't find it anywhere else. Okay, because you, you go to the Wrestle Circus website and they don't have any of their cards. No. And if you ask them about it, they say, "Oh, well, it's on our Twitter feed." It's pinned on our Twitter feed. Well, you know what? You know, we it, use Twitter. You, we use Twitter. Trust us, wrestling promotions. If anybody is listening, Twitter is not the be all end all for your company. Your 
website, your whatever. We we are guilty of overreacting to what Twitter does a lot. Twitter makes up ten percent of our audience. Less. Oh, oh, God. I you know you're probably not far off at all. So <laughs> chill. <laughs> use websites. Use Facebook. Use other resources. Don't assume that a pinned image on Twitter is what everybody's going to use to find out your card. So. Maybe the ticket website is where you put it on, you know, where you're trying to tell people to buy tickets from. So anyway, <laughs> Sunday, August 13th, Somerville, Massachusetts, beyond 1 p.m., a bye-bye beautiful Donovan Jidek versus Walter. Shrug emoji the rest of the uh, <laughs> Beyond card. I don't know. I tried. I don't have. Couldn't find anything. Uh, Progress. Couldn't find much either. <laughs> I guess uh, I'll just do what they have on their Facebook page. But they're going to start at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, for that, uh, they have confirmed to appear Progress World Champion and WWE UK Champion Pete Dunne, uh, Progress Tag Team Champions Tyler Bate and Trent Seven, and 2017 Tournament of Death winner Jimmy Havoc, full roster and card TBA. Maybe they don't want to give away results from the night before by renouncing a card. I can totally see that. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Put your cards up. Beyond, come on. <laughs> Put your fucking card up. Not that hard. But uh, we don't we don't give enough credit to Gabe is good about that man. Gabe gets that whole card is up there the minute I mean mm-hmm. m- month prior he's got that card up. So kudos yep. to him for doing that. And with his little know. stipulations, if Matt Riddle retains, you know that sort of thing. <laughs> Every match is a special attraction match or a special grudge match, but that's fine. I don't care. Hey, as long as that's the that Japanese so. thing, you know, where it's a special singles match when you can't think of anything else to say about <laughs> right, something. Right, right. You know? Special <laughs> attraction <laughs> match: Freddie A. High versus Tracy Williams. It's like all right, right. Yes. It's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's so special about two guys that yeah. are a regular part of your company but yeah i mean it's, that's that do that in japan too you know it's just one of those things but uh yeah gabe is very good about that and always has been so uh these other promotions not so much i mean you just it's you really have to look i shouldn't have to look super hard to find your card you know what i mean like right if i can't find it on your your website then have it on your facebook event page or have it very easily on your i, I shouldn't have to dig throughout your website it should i shouldn't have to google website, like a, first off. Yeah. a simple google search should bring up your card you know within the first three results i had to go to i was going on, i was even going on like a 401 mania i was like well if anyone's gonna have it larry zonk is gonna have it right i couldn't he didn't even have it so i was like all right well if he doesn't have it then like it shouldn't be like a thing where people have to get together to collect your card information via tweets you've sent out and images you've sent out like let's fucking let's list it out there have it be very obvious to find rich let me tell you about this uh let me tell you about this progress 45 that I was just uh, hyping you up to, to, to search yeah. out. I know you don't have a ton of time to watch wrestling and I know you cherry pick when it comes to progress. I really think you'd love this show. I mean, you've got, you've got uh, uh, there's a uh, Trent seven and Tyler bait versus South Pacific power trip match on there. Uh, Mark Andrews versus heel willow spray after the, after the heel turn ring Conf is on that show against the Hunter brothers. Um, there's an excellent Flash Morgan Webster match against Nathan Cruz, which I know you're not real familiar with him. It'd be a great introduction to him. You got that Ginny Nixon duel match I told you about. And then the main event was Pete Dunn, Jimmy Havoc, which was just a fucking mob. And it was, a, it was a crime scene. Okay. I gave that four and a half stars. I mean, up and down the card. I mean, I think it's a seven match card and I gave six matches four or better. So if, if Rich or anybody else wants to immerse themselves in progress, I that's, strongly that's suggest. Five, you said? That's Progress 45 galvanized. Okay. That was my favorite Progress show of all time. And I think I've seen them all since like 13 or something. And I've gone back and watched its selected matches from the early ones. So, I, you know, it's not like I'm speaking from a total place of ignorance, even though I'm clearly I, – I admittedly I'm not the, the, the authority, but I've seen all the shows. Um, and, 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 and easily 
one of my top three cards of the year along with uh, Dominion and Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, oh, it, okay. it is that good, you know, and, and I think it's a great atmosphere too on that one. And uh, it always is. But uh, sometimes these progress shows let you down. I mean, it's funny and progress fans will tell you. Sometimes it's the hot lineups that let you down with them, and it's the cars that you don't expect to be great that are. It's it's funny with them. It it, it often works out that way. But um, if you if you're not, if you haven't you know been into progress, if you've been on the fence about demand progress, and I I think that that shows a real good start point. I mean you know it, it, because it's an awesome show and and it's a good introduction to a lot of the personalities too. If you're not super familiar with a lot of them, and there's a lot of uh storyline stuff that wraps up and a lot of stuff that just starts, you know, moving along too. So you get a little bit, you know, you get Osprey on the way out and Nixon Newell on the way out, but you got some new fit, you know, it, it there's a lot going on on that show. It's a, it's a very interesting show and I strongly recommend it. We got about 20 minutes left on the show here. Let, let's, we got a few different topics to do. What I'm going to let you choose Joe, Joe's grab bag here. Uh, what topic do you want to talk about here? A lot of these other ones are going to be a few minutes here and there, but uh, yeah, just to keep in mind, we got about 20 minutes or so. Uh, anyone in particular that you stand out to you that you definitely wanted to talk about? Listen, let's talk some NWA, Rich. Let's do it. We're nothing if not the authority on NWA, as always. Hey, listen, we've been the authority on NWA since 2012 when we started this thing. Nobody else reports the big NWA news except this podcast, Rich. Um, well, he wants to, but it doesn't, hey, it doesn't matter. Listen, we were there, and we were there when Bruce Tharp took over. When Bruce Tharp and Chris Ranquillo took over, we we were there. We were there when the Mighty Cahagas won the NWA World Title, and they took over, and the Cole Cabana, Adam Pierce stuff. We were there when Bruce Tharp nudged Chris Ranquillo out of the way and took control. We were there when Bruce Tharp sold to Billy. Okay, we're there. We're on top of the NWA stuff. People know this is the source. <laughs> I, I, I noticed something the other day. NWA Smoky Mountain, which has been one, honestly one of the top NWA territories. I was going to say, one of the more stable ones for sure has been at Smoky Mountain, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if people don't know, that's where uh, Chase Owens uh, made a name for himself. Jason Kincaid, uh, Ricky Morton would wrestle there from time to time. Of course, Ricky Morton is Chase Owens' mentor and trainer. Uh, Chase Owens and Jason Kincaid had many installments of their of what I think is one of the most underrated indie feuds of the decade for NWA Smoky Mountain. Um, I believe AJ Styles did a couple shots there uh, when he was doing his indie stuff. I think he had a match against Chase Owens there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that may not have been it. I think it was though NWA Smoky. But anyway, they're they're a pretty stable uh, NWA territory. I noticed that they're changing their name. Uh, they're going to have their final NWA Smoky Mountain show. I think August nineteenth is the date. Uh, August nineteenth. Yep, in Kingsport, Tennessee, will be the final event. Right, but not for the promotion. Just under right. that name, uh, they've changed their name. I think they already picked a new name. Uh, I don't know what it is i think it's adrenaline or something to that effect uh i know it says on their twitter page nwa smoky mountain uh maybe the uh, producer can check on that while i'm uh, talking through this uh so uh so it it kind of uh set off a little light bulb above my head and it made me think what's going on here so we reached out to some of our nwa sources and it turns out that uh uh all of the license agreements that were signed by the various nwa territories uh while Bruce Tharp was under control. In other words, uh, as you may or may not know, uh, in order to use the NWA name, you have to pay the NWA a fee once a year, and that gives you license to use the NWA name. So if you're Smoky Mountain Wrestling out in Tennessee and you want to be NWA Smoky Mountain, you pay a fee, uh, which is supposed to be $500 per year to the NWA, and then you can call yourself NWA Smoky Mountain. Um, a few years ago, 
what that also entitled you to was one NWA world title match per year. And then uh, I think uh, two mix and match combinations of either a national title defense, a North American title defense, a women's title defense, a tag team title defense. You could also were guaranteed combinations of those or you're required to book uh, those as party agreement, whatever it was, um, is also what you got for your $500, Rich, which in some cases I can tell you right now was not $500. I know uh, one promoter who said he paid $50 for the NWA name. I know another promoter who said he paid $0 to use the NWA name. So it was basically whatever uh, Uncle Bruce could hustle out of you is what you <laughs> pay for use of the NWA. Uh, right. way, I cannot I mean, find a new. I can't find their new name, so I, I've been looking. Around. Okay. Well, yeah, whatever. Sorry. It's uh, but uh, we're gonna have to fire the producer for not being able to come Harvest. up with this information. But uh, but yeah. So so I looked into this, and it, it turns out that uh, we were told directly uh, from NWA sources, Rich, that uh, all of the license agreements that were signed under Tharp expire on October first. So all of the various NWA territories out there, whether it's NWA Smoky Mountain or whatever one you have in your own local city, I don't believe you have any in Chicago. Chicago. No, no, I was about to open uh, NWA Great Lakes, but I guess I won't do that anymore. So you won't be doing that because uh, all I'm going to throw Bruce Brucey like a twenty and then book like Sid or something like that. But yeah, I guess I guess I won't do that then. Yeah, well, you could have done Sid versus Tim Storm, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so October 1st, that's it. All the various NWA territories are going away because those are when the licenses expire. So we'll see if any of them continue to try to use the name afterwards. But I think that um, you know the Billy ownership group is going to be pretty stringent on that. They're changing things. They want to get away from that model. Uh, they don't want to sell the NWA name to all these various indie promotions. And this is uh, going to be the first sort of big change you see under the new ownership of the NWA. All these licenses are going to expire. And all these territories are going to go by, which is actually going to be bigger you know, for, down by me in Texas. I mean, there's tons of them. I mean, that's where most of them are because that's where Bruce Tharp was based. So he had connections with all these local promotions and he sold a lot of licenses down here in Texas. So they're all going to go away and all these promotions are going to go have to undergo name changes uh, similar to what's going on at Smoky Mountain. So I uh, just wanted to pass that little tidbit along. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the future uh, holds for NWA. We've heard a few different things of, of models they're looking to do, of, of what they're kind of looking to do with the name. But it looks like it's going to be a little bit more t- 